Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Foundation and Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're back to do one final podcast on Foundation Season 2 before we call it quits for the season and anticipate the massive delay, I'm sure, between now and Season 3. Uh, Aaron, this podcast has been a long time in the making, I would say. You want to kind of explain where we're at here with this thing? Chronologically, uh, this is what happened. Uh, me and Jim watched a show. I watched it about 24 hours before he did. About three hours... Or about about a one just just like it, within hours of watching it the first time, we jumped on this call to talk to our buddy Pete Peppers over on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So this the conversation you're about to hear um, was like Jim's raw reaction, and it's funny because you'll this is probably our most extreme version of the the totally. whatever reaction we got uh, talking to our Pete, and then like each subsequent, then we did our our podcast for episode two ten, then we talked to Mister Goyer for episode for the finale and this is now like uh, us considering the feedback as the last thing that we're doing but you'll you might hear you know us ratchet back our discontent a little bit of some of the twists and turns over this conversation where we try to cover all the bases but uh yeah my feelings on the finale definitely moderated a bit although i still have the same general complaint that you'll hear well, and I think that's like, you know, as it turns out, when we talked to Mr. Goyer, uh, they, they some of the things that you were really counting on to be true just were all garbled up, was 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 mm-hmm. lost in mm-hmm. translation. And that's uh, I, I was going to ask you that because I don't think we've actually talked about that since we got off the horn of David Glover or David Glover, <laughs> David uh, Goyer. Uh-huh. How, how do you feel about that? Uh, how I really feel is I wish I would have asked follow up questions. Um, like specifically, do you know of any scenes that, cause, cause what he explained doesn't necessarily explain my, my feelings on it, um, or huh. my reaction to it, because I felt that the effect should have happened the entire time. And he's saying specific scenes were either left out, the oh. effect was left out or put on when it shouldn't have been. You- to me, there was a larger question about why isn't it always on with between Tellum he, and I- Gale, both using their powers all the time. I thought he so, answered that with like in his mind only an exceptionally large psychic push would cause the distortion. Did he say that? He might have said that. Um, yeah, and I just missed it. And and so then like the low level manipulation that Tellum's doing essentially all the time, but you would only notice it when like Gale's trying to keep something from notice that that body's not hairy. Um, and I think that like I said, I, I it'd be very I. I'm very much looking forward to watching this entire season over again. I think I'm going to do it pretty quickly uh, because I think a lot of this stuff really connects well. And it's going to be that's going to be the one I think annoying thing is the fact that there is some of that, uh, you know, stack filter effect that just got misapplied because that's going to be the one thing that's never going to never going to completely add up everything else. um, 
but yeah we got there's, a lot there's of still this general sense i i feel of like can i trust the show to tell me mm. what i need to know to get some feedback grounded. and that's the thing that starts to scare me a little bit but We'll see. We got some feedback on there. Maybe we can get to a good place uh, for that. Uh, but first, we got a bit of a conversation, a lengthy conversation with our be- buddy Pete Peppers over on YouTube. Check out his channel. And if you still are hungry for more uh, foundation coverage, please go check out his uh, channel because we actually had about a two-hour conversation with him last Friday night uh, that he turned into a video. So check that out on Pete Peppers' podcast. Uh, that links uh, links to his channel should be in the show notes and he'll give them out on the podcast as well. Without further ado, let's bring on our buddy, Pete Peppers. All things have a cycle. First the podcast, then the ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Math is never just numbers, and this isn't just a podcast. We're back with more Foundation. Well, Pete, thanks for showing up. We appreciate it. Talk to us. Yeah, no problem. About the season here. Um, I wanted to start off just by asking some general thoughts on season two here. I think we should let the guests go first, yeah. Yeah, I'll go first, I guess. Well, I think this season was much improved over the first Um I thought that, you know, I thought the first season was uneven in a lot of ways. There was things I really liked. There was things that that didn't hold up. I mean, it was one of those situations where you got two different locations, two different stories, and every time I go from one to the other, I'm disappointed. Like, I just want to go back. And so, you know, I think that was a problem that they had was that they had to introduce a lot of stuff on – you know, about the foundation, about psychohistory and things like that. And they had to find a way to make those, those two things equally important, you know, equally as interesting, I guess. And, um, I think they did that a lot better this season. I think it bounces back and forth between all the different stories. I thought a lot of the side characters this season were a lot more, you know, compelling and I cared about them more. Um, I thought episode nine was, was the best episode of of the series and um, just, just a pretty incredible hour of TV. Yeah. So I think generally, you know, across the board, I think that it just, it, it still does all the things that it did well in the first season and it got better in some of the areas where it needed to. So I liked it a lot better. Yeah, I'll echo all that. Like, I thought this was a very confident sophomore season, uh, you know, steps forward and almost across the board like you, Pete. Um, I, 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 I feel like I like season one a, a lot more than, than, than some people did. But, uh, yeah, there was definitely some things that weren't as strong as the other, whereas this, it's like I was locked in wherever we are at. Uh, the only criticism I will have is maybe they got a little too fast. They get a little too excited at the end, and there's there's things that are a little loosey goosey. Um, but even then, there was still some pretty big confident swings in that 
finale and uh the more i think about it the more i think i'm 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 going to like it but yeah i i think this was an amazing season episode nine uh i felt like the the real kind of like climax um and episode 10 was kind of more of the resolution of all that stuff but and you know that's the thing it's like i um I imagine there's going to be people uh, trying to I'm trying to trying to pre guess feedback here. I imagine there'll be people to be like, hey, Ron, I heard you last year uh, really rip in the rings of power when they exploded volcano on a group of people and hardly anybody <laughs> died. And mm-hmm. here you're just saying hard to imagine someone drop a black hole on somebody <laughs> and they got. I feel like there's a little bit of difference, you know, um, and I think the biggest difference is how it was deployed like it wasn't literally the next day the the, the first scene of the next episode Polly covered in you know <laughs> dust aboard the, the, the you know dusted himself off aboard the uh uh the obelisk or the what do we call it the archive the uh vault the vault, vault yeah. right so like I think there was a little bit more artfully done. I got like I mean the, the biggest thing is like I groaned and rolled my eyes in the rings of power. I actually got teared up by uh constance react like this faith rewarded um in yeah. the, sci- the church of scientism like that shit that that actually did work so it's like as i think it would have been cooler they just did shit can the first foundation and then like what do we do now like i was really um but i think that works too so like i this is this is an improvement of, of season one in every way um and I'm just curious. Then that the, the I'm just curious to see how they can keep this going. Um, how they can keep bringing back Gale and Harry and the Empire, uh, if if they will ever get off that. That's that's the big the, the big cheap things I'm waiting to see them navigate going forward. What about you, Jim? I do wonder how some of the people who maybe were a little afraid that they were getting pretty far afield from the books, especially with what happened to Terminus last episode, will feel about this because they do kind of pull it back a little bit. From the brink there? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. That might be kind of a saving grace for them. Uh, I need to preface my comments here by saying no more than two hours ago, I just watched the finale. It's pretty fresh. I'm going to watch it at least one more time, probably two, before we get to the podcast. You've probably already heard me talk about it on mm-hmm. uh, in detail. So this might be wildly out of line with where I eventually fall in this episode. But after my first watch... I'm kind of disappointed in the finale itself, though I think the season as a whole is... De- I agree with everything you guys said on it. It's definitely a step forward for this show. And and one of the things I did really like about the finale was how they kind of made a little family out of Salvor and Gale and Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they make it pretty explicit in this episode that they have come to really trust and rely on each other. And I think... This is the first time that Harry has ever been talked out of a plan he's designed by Gale. Uh, same. Right? Yeah. No one has ever broken through his his uh, unassailable logic, right, and his mathematics to, to appeal to his heart, and I felt like that happened in this episode. And that was probably one of my favorite parts of the finale. I was, was going to ask you, you guys they're... what you think about your, your favorite yeah, I, parts, I would too. Just say you, you, you said they're like a family, but they literally are a family because... Well, Salvor and Gale, yeah. But Harry is well, not part of this. Well, Salvor is his grandchild. You know, this is all like by adoption and by okay, you know, yeah, family and there's like you know, it's sure. like this is all kind of you know common law marriage things like that. But like, yeah, they are very 
they are family in a very real way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this yeah, is definitely a big like loss for him. Once you start jumping into cryopods and uh, you know leaving <laughs> everybody you knew behind, uh, yeah, that that really intensifies those those weaker like connections in the family too, right? I mean, they're from the same time, and they're 138 years in the future, so mm-hmm. you know it doesn't really matter that he he uh, adopted Rach and um, you know. They are, you know, they took the embryo and and it, it, she was raised by someone else or whatever. I mean, that they're, they're still connected in a way that um, they wouldn't be with anybody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And, and all those speeches that Harry gives to to Gail and to Salvor throughout the season, and then you know, Gail to Harry here at the end, um, asking him for his help. Uh, all, all that stuff was really powerful. Really good stuff. What, what, what do you guys like about this finale? Uh, Pete, you haven't really had a chance to talk to our audience about what you thought about the finale. Any favorite parts that you can think of? Um, yeah, there was. there's quite a few things. Um, I guess, you know, what I was most curious about, like what, what really kind of stuck with me after the fact was what some of the Eternal characters are doing. Like you said, um, I, I, did, I did react. I did think a lot about that connection that Harry and Gail have now and what that's going to look like in the future. And then also Demerzel. Um, one of my favorite parts of the finale was they were talking or she was looking at the, you know, that, that hollow globe thing that they have where she can, you know, see, get reports or whatever. And, um, I guess it's like the galactic council was the standing next to it, talking to her and, and they're like, Oh, we're sorry. And she's like, you know, kind of gives them a a hand and like, you know, just a moment of silence here, you know, and it's very not Demerzel, right? So it just gives you that, that, that idea like, oh yeah, that like things are really bad. Like if Demerzel loses her cool, then what does that Mm -hmm. exactly mean? You know? Yeah. So that was, that was one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite parts. What about you, Aaron? I really liked, uh, everything about the resolution of the dusk. Uh, plot line um, her and him saying goodbye kind of tenderly with a lot of regret but like also full knowledge and understanding I mean, it's like all the things that went in like giving uh, Demerzel her worst day in the last 5,000 years you know uh-huh. uh, so like Laura Byrne like that's one of the things I love most about the show is like watching her emoting a robot that's just completely losing its shit it's just like this hodgepodge of eight thousand years of conflicting code with something to Cleon with his uh, I, I, like is my first uh, solder set that he got from Radio Shack shoved into her <laughs> neck uh, I don't I don't think that's native tech like it's I, I just think she does a great job at that kind of like twitchy insect um, uh, hyper vigilant neurotic d- mother that's just like desperately trying to keep this this thing the, this thing going that she doesn't even like it's I, I wonder how many like housewives or maybe even house husbands nowadays could relate to this like feeling of helplessness trying to chase after all these people keeping on track and not not a not even really knowing if this is what you even want anymore like I wonder how many mm-hmm. people are are really strongly identifying with with her predicament but like I I just think it's it's great everything we found out about her. Um, everything we uh, and I was like expecting a lot from that scene and it, they really fucking delivered. Yeah. And it really adds to the situation that we don't even 
really understand how she has emotions in the first place, right? I mean, she's she is a robot. Um, we we see in the in the whole the the way the whole thing plays out through nine and ten. You know, we see that she's capable of faking it whenever she whenever it works for her. You know, like whenever that serves her interest. Um, but then as as things go on, we see that. Like she mentions really early that she faked tears for the um, for the other emperor, the one that was sort of torturing her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you know throughout this, when she's talking to Dusk and um, explaining things, you know we see her have the real tears, and uh, I, I thought that was a really interesting point. You know, it's like, well, there's no, there's no. I mean, I talked to I talked to David Goyer about it, and he was saying, you know, you can tell the difference because in some of those situations, like there, it really doesn't serve anything. Like she doesn't get anything for emoting. So then yeah, everyone knows they're dead at the end of this. So it's like not, she doesn't have to keep an appearance or placate or save his feelings or anything. Yeah. The robot way to handle that would just be to cut both their throats or whatever method of, of murder that she chose there (laughs) and walk away and, and, and go do something else. Right. But that's not how it played out at all. The other cool thing is to watch Demerzel when she's like faking being sexually excited by Cleon and how like she acts like a normal human woman when she's being uh-huh. seductive and sexy. Um, but like whenever she's showing what I th- would call genuine emotion, it does not look human. Like I said, yeah. it, it looks like her, it looks it looks a lot more ro- robust. So it's like and, and I don't think she can feel physical pain. Like it seems pretty clear. It's like, or if it, it's it's not certainly the same thing that we feel as biological, but like emotional yeah. pain. It seems like she had a lot of depth to experience that, and maybe it's got like way more. I mean, eighteen thousand years of worth of pain, uh, and it's yeah. not all been easy. She survived the holo, you know, the single sole survivor of a holocaust of her whole species. Uh, the the just like the oppression of her religion, uh, the imprisonment for five thousand years, and then like being bound like a evil genie to this fucking dynasty. Uh, it's yeah. I, I just think I just love that. She is a perfectly fine human woman when she's playing one, but mm-hmm. when she's just herself, it's, it's you can, you can see the switch of uh, uh, flip and it's really cool. Is there anything they didn't do a really good job with? Are there any, are any parts <laughs> of the finale that we don't like? I, I can start if you guys want to think for a second. I'm not a fan of the, so many switcheroos. I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Can we it, identify it like, what we're talking about with switcheroos? Sure. It's it's things that you know whether they were lightly foreshadowed or or you know very deceptively foreshadowed. Uh, things that we thought happened that then they go back and say, eh, it actually didn't happen or it didn't happen the way you think it happened. Um, examples would be. Hey, Hober actually did make a deal with the spacers, even though we didn't think he did. Um, Gale was actually mind controlling everybody the entire time, and Harry wasn't actually mm-hmm. dead at all. Uh, to a lesser degree, Bell, you know, castles uh, to to Empire today and gets him outside. I think that was kind of cool, but there there were a lot of things, and they were fast and furious. Is that that's my biggest complaint? Is not necessarily that all those things happened, but how how rapid fire it was hey you thought you knew this no you didn't hey you thought you knew that no you didn't terminus is gone no it's not the planet might be but the people aren't you know a lot just too much of that stuff for my taste 
so I think that's that's the case for that. I'm gonna try to make the opposite case. I was on high defense for almost every one of these because like the the biggest one is like, boy, man, uh, you know, it's like I, I, I'm not saying you can't do it because you can do anything as long as you do it well. But man, it'd be hard to believe just completely reversing the destruction of Terminus. Like maybe it's cloaked or it's a different plan or something. Like this is not that. That's stu- that, not stupid at all, actually. And I I think they pulled it off because I had an emotional reaction to it, um, and it felt very thematic. And in, in that, like you know, your faith and it, like this really like this this is a nice way to draw a bow around the foundations period of a religious organization. Like faith rewarded. You know, these people had this immense faith in Harry and he 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 didn't let him down. And I was going down. So it's like but like all these things I was like, I'm boy, these are the things I was afraid of. But am I really mad about it? Because like, okay, the nap, the the spacer thing. We called it when it was happening. We're like, why is she who is center? Why are they making a big deal about her coming and making a special trip to see your daughter? Like, mm-hmm. we knew that there's something up with that. Like, what are they trying to hint at? Is there something? Well, yes, they were trying to hint that, that that there was something. There were significant glances going on. It was unusual for her to bring the whole home swarm out to see her daughter because it's the last time she was going to see the, her, and they all knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, and, and then, like, the Harry, the, 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 switch, the Gale switcheroo were like, what was Gale doing sitting cross-leg style? Uh, you know, practicing her force abilities with all the the mentalic yeah. uh, distortion effects. And, you know, why is she acting real cagey around Salvor and, like, you know, acting the strange ways? Well, now we have those answers. It's just, like, the questions were raised many episodes ago, and now we're catching up with the answers. I, The more I think about it, the more it feels like the books, where Harry just outsmarts everyone with this grand, mm-hmm. pre-thought-out plan. And I might feel mm-hmm. that way in another watch or two, but boy, just coming off of it, it a feels, couple hours ago, it, it, it feels pretty bad, I will say. What it is, is it's uh, my reaction was like someone who did a really good practical joke on me. Like, so good, <laughs> I was kind of mad. Uh-huh. But then I'm like, nah, nah, you played it, you played it straight and, and it is really funny. So I can't, I can't be mad. And that's kind of how... I'm 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 feeling about this. Like David Blaine blew my fucking mind. I'm not so sure <laughs> I he's actually know. magic, <laughs> but I'm not ready to say he's a fraud. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. All right. So so I can I can see both sides of this because I saw the this way before you guys did. So I had some time to sit with it, and I would say that yes, my initial reaction was is that okay. I can't trust anything this show is telling me. And, and <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, is that like, that's troubling because I thought it did such a good job throughout the season of keeping things grounded in these ideas that they were, you know what I mean? Like everything had that, had that consistency across the line. Right. And everything felt connected and everything felt important so you're telling me that it's this it's that kind of show. That's what they're doing, right? They're saying that mm-hmm. this is a show you got to pay attention to everything. You got to hold on and you'll get your payoff. And you know, that's good. But then if you go at the very end and you and you undo all that stuff and said, "Aha, it's not really what we showed you in the last hour." Then then there's some dissonance in between those two things, right? Mhm. Oh yeah. And I agree with what you're saying, Aaron, was that Uh, you know, like in my recaps, I pointed out all of those things. I was like, you know, whenever she was just counting primes on the rock, 
I was like, something's going on here. She's trying to protect Salvor. We don't know what that is yet, but we're going to find out because otherwise that is just not good TV. Like that, like what Gail's doing throughout that episode doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. I said the same thing about Hover. I said the, the, the spacers really did that kind of fast, right? Like they, you know, he made a really good pitch to them. Uh, and she's just like, nah, we're not doing it. And then they go mm-hmm. and they turn him in. So there, it was obvious that they were withholding information from us in those situations. And so whenever you get to the reveal, then, then there is, you know, that, that, that's there. I do want to feel grounded in something, you know, that, that's my, yeah, well, my that's, biggest complaint. Ultimately that's where I'm at with it. I'm like, okay, you can do that once. Okay, you can do one finale like that. Let's not do that as the whole show going forward because we've seen that with other other mystery box shows and and shows that that really um you know try to outsmart the audience like eventually that falls flat, right? Yeah, uh, and that's what's like in episode 9 felt like it's such a great pacing of that where it's like just as I think the internet at large was kind of like on to the big arcs like episode 9 was just yes, all this culminating and we're going to blow your mind at the end. I do want to push back because like definitely you, with the model for these shows losing their plot is kind of like I think Westworld is like the most re- the recent relevant or it's like they seem to prize tricking the audience more than actually telling a story that people could relate to and foundation mm-hmm. is ways away from that but it is around the same time that the Westworld was in, in season two where it's like people are like well now wait a goddamn minute well, now we got simulations we got simulations inside simulations we've got host copies we got human host hybrids we've got like is there a way for a person to die meaningfully in this thing and Mm -hmm. and the answer was almost always no but there's two ways you can do that like if if there is a big if there is a big um cost paid or if there is a big swing made there should be a a corresponding sacrifice or price paid i felt like the show did pay the price we did lose salvor sometimes you can just shot get Mm -hmm. shot in the gut and die and there's not enough castling devices in the world to save you from. Yes, there was a whole bunch of trickery and sleight of hand and all this stuff, but it's not like some other shows I've seen where a guy crawls out of the dumpster and he comes back and he's just right as rain. There's no cost paid at all. I feel like there, there's one there, there's one that really sticks out to me that is kind of annoying me um, after this first watch. And it's the, the whole Gale was in control of everyone all the time. Uh, she had kind of made it a reality that that was Harry in the water when it wasn't him. They, they have a language of cinema that they've established when people are using powers and it's that strange blurry filter around the edges, right? Mm-hmm. In my mind, that should have been on every scene we saw from the moment that Harry got out of the water until the moment that it's revealed that Gale was in control of it the entire time. Like that to I don't me know. is playing a little that. too, is playing a little dirty in my mind. I think we needed to see those psych when people were actually looking at Harry's body, but like the second that that body was dealt with, and I don't. Okay, well I, they didn't I, I do think, that either. So like, didn't they? There's nothing in the Salvor scene, no, where he where she discovers Harry's body. Well, but that's not. But but there was in the Gale scene because Gale's the sure it's where like, she's meditating. Yeah, yeah. So like, I is that the distortion based on the, the distorted uh, or the distorty? <laughs> yeah, and to me, it's like they're telling it's based on the caster, not the target, because like hmm. when you know Gale, Gale was fucking at a distance on a whole other island, but the wavy lines were happening 
in her location, not. And I, I guess that's I the other thing. Is like I, I don't agree with that, but okay. Huh. Okay. I, I will say this, and this, I, I feel like I've said this six times this year about five different shows. I do. Th- it's the trend of late. God, it just happened in Ahsoka. I think it happened on Justified. It's happened on Foundation. There's this trend of late for people to put characters in predicaments where there's truly no hope of survival. And then they mm-hmm. somehow miraculously survive. And it's like, if they would have just, like, like if they had just pulled back 10%, it's like, they, they like, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm getting too old. But I feel like <laughs> the, the, of late people go, it, it's like... Um, one step too far beyond like oh my god i was scared of these people well now they're like i can see them being mulched up in the blades oh actually no they're they're being reassembled somehow i i don't i don't like that trend and i feel like maybe um i i just went to rewatch it because polly did not actually fall on the earth and the shockwave did not actually hit him the camera (laughs) pans up just before it would be too late for his ass to be castled out of, of the world and into they, they cut it so it's like i can't quite pin them but they they yeah they it it felt like right at that border where it's like man how more definitive of death can you get than dropping a black hole on a person so going forward like the expectation is the expectation is foundation forces should have that kind of salvation power on tap like right or at least right. if, if Harry's still got the vault active. Yeah, I mean, to go back to kind of what you were saying earlier, Pete, I, I don't want to feel like a fool watching this show. Like, uh, you know, uh, I guess the show told me this, but it, it wasn't true. You know, they, they, they've tried, they're using every trick of cinematic language to tell me Polly's dead. And then they're using every trick to tell me, no, he's not. Uh, and, and I feel like a fool for believing that Polly could die in that moment. And investing emotionally in Polly's death mm-hmm. and then having it pulled away from me like that, you know? Yeah, I that I agree with. Here but here's the problem. I don't th- I think the show could do a better job of telling us what the technical disparities between the Empire and Foundation are because I can't hmm. quite put my finger on it. I know their jump ships are faster, they don't need navigators anymore, they don't need spacers. Uh they've got the castling device. Mm-hmm. Is there they they got food that can cure any disease? Um, they can like, just whip wh- up Opalesque, which was, you know, they can the, whip up the- Opalesque, but like they too have limits to their powers, right? Like they can't, you know, but then you got Harry like on something- another level, right? Like you've got Harry with the That's vault who can remake matter into whatever he wants. Um, yeah, it's it's like you have this problem with Marvel, right? Where it's like you've got a god. You got you it got a Norse god yeah. punching a mad god that's mm-hmm. that's tackling a trickster god. Like which god wins? Which omnipotent entity wins? And I, I guess that's the thing. Where is are like, the stakes? When I'm you know when I'm talking about technology indistinguishable from magic, how can I tell the difference between uh you know a David Blaine, a Gandalf, and like I don't know, Iru Aluvatar or whatever the the god of the total. Mm-hmm. I, I, what, what is the? How can I quantify those power scales? Because if it's all magic. Then it's just like it feels a little bit like you could you could run the risk of like the six year old game where it's like you can't touch me. You know, it's like you tag your it. No tag. I've got shields. Oh, I've got anti shields. It's like that's <laughs> just literally kind of what, how, how should yeah. I feel? Right. Like when you tell me they have whisper ships, how, sh- how should I feel about that? Is that something that's threatening to the Empire? Because you know, and it, it like, felt it like also, it was for sure. Open question. What works better? The apparent destruction of Terminus, mm-hmm. 
and then the ensuing destruction of the Imperial fleet, um, and then Harry revealing that he castled everybody into the vault at the last minute in the finale, or does it work better just for Harry to just, like, negate that? Just like, yep, I've got this whole planet in a planetary aura, and the Empire is just, like, in, uh, I was being nice offering peace to You guys are actually omnipotent, and now you're all dead. He could have just ca- he could have just castled the whole planet to a different system. Right? <laughs> he could do that's the thing is like, why not? It's like at the end of the day, it did work on me, even though I was primed to be the most skeptic person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I agree with Jim as far as the initial reaction of, of not liking what feels like rug pulls, you know, like a, a system, you know, like of where like they, they definitely told me one thing just to to reverse that. But then, like, yeah, what what you're saying also makes a lot of sense because there's still a lot of character stuff that that works for me, and and -hmm. overall, I think, um, you know, after after that initial, like you said about the you know the practical joke, after the initial like embarrassment of being like I didn't know what that was, you know, and I, I you know, and just being able to enjoy it for what it is after the feelings are gone or whatever, of being tricked, um. It works pretty well. Yeah, we'll see. I'll have to check it out. I, that was going to be my next question is like for both you and Jim, I know Jim's a little bit more fresh. I'm like in the middle. I've had a day or mm-hmm. two to sit with this. Pete, you've had two weeks. Jim's had two hours. Uh-huh. Do you feel that the finale <laughs> the test did? Case, Jim. <laughs> Great. Did, well, yeah, yeah, I'm the control. You guys are the uh, the outliers. Um, yeah. the, Jim, do you think the finale actually hurt your estimation of the season of a whole? I don't know. I, I definitely want to see it again before I totally judge this, but there are ways in which I think it made episode nine feel a little cheapened, but certainly not to a degree that I would say episode nine is now not one of the best episodes of the series. And okay. this season as a whole is not miles better than season one. So I, I don't want to come across. You say as it's that. not miles better or it is. No, it, it is miles better. Oh, okay, for sure. Okay. Um, uh, same question to you, Pete. You've had a little bit more time to think about it. Does uh, the finale actually do damage to season two? Mm, I would say no, not at this point. Um, for the for the most part, episode nine was the apex. You know, that was sort of the best of what it does. So, you know, episode 10 was a little bit of a disappointment in comparison. But overall, no, it doesn't. I mean, I, I'm still excited about things as they move forward. I was still unbelievably surprised that that they killed off Salvor and um, that's a was, massive shock, a yeah, massive and thing, shock. And the things that I was excited about going into season three haven't really changed. You know, what I mean, they did in between the of what I thought at the end of nine and and whatever, but like in reality, it's it. We know we're going towards the mule. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And we know that it's going to be another big time jump. And we know that the the basically the the religious era was coming to a close anyways, you know what I mean? So the next time we see whatever the new terminus is, like wherever they they resettle or whatever, it's going to be a lot different than the one we saw this season anyways, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think maybe we should talk about some of those like specific questions that we have kind of at the end of the season. Um, then we can sort of get to where we think they're going with it. Uh, so a lot of things happen in this finale, some big things. Um, Don and Sarah, I wanted to start with them. They are kind of on the run with a child, with the, you know, official heir to the throne, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Although, although that's is, debatable. This, that's debatable, right? Yeah, this is one of those things that I have a definitive an- answer from David Coyer about. Okay, I, I was going right. to ask, where do they intend to go? Could they, are they going back to Cloud Dominion? Um, and will that result in some kind of conflict between the two empires? Yeah, so I can't, I won't answer, but uh, I, I'm curious to see what you guys think, and then I'll tell you what he told me about it. To me, it's like I can't understand how Dimmerzel can let d- 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 Dusk or Dawn out. Because, like, this is a, a a massive threat to the Cleonic dynasty. The fact that there is a legitimate offspring from a legitimate empire from the legitimate empire that is a that's a that's a scary pull. So I my I guess my headcanon is uh, no matter what Dimmerzel says to Dawn, she is still going to hunt him down and kill him. I, I think it's debatably legitimate. I mean, no one was actually ever married, right? Um, this is a Dawn. Mm. that was never actually emperor day when is I, going I, to be the emperor still yeah so it, it's debatable certainly i'm illegitimate in the same way i do like on game of thrones and house of the dragon where it's not like yeah. the law of succession is not as important as as what the case ah, a yes. disgruntled uh, a disgruntled uh elite can make when mm-hmm. the cleonic empire is shitting the bed and there's this strapping young buck that still looks a lot like day but he doesn't have that baggage and he's over here and he's ready to go and he's been trained by the best people of the cloud dominion yeah i, I it's, and she it's, says it's, they it's, have it's a good a story right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's like, to me i think dimmerzel hunts him down and kills him i think she's gonna right. try yeah and that was that was my question was um is there a world where she lets him go because yeah i mean you, you told us that that her directive is to protect the dynasty and every for all the reasons you guys just said i was in the same place i was like well then she has to she has to do what she told him she would do she has to mm-hmm. hunt him down and kill him and she can do that we know we know mm-hmm. that cloud dominion's got money and they're powerful and everything else but i you know i'm still going to put my money on demerzel if that if that's what you know those are the two sides that are they're going against each other but what he told me was is that she let them go that that I could see that case gone. being made. Yeah. She's very conflicted in that moment, right? That that speech he gives about the mother and love. Yeah, some kind of math uh kicked out in the equation and she just barely came down on the side of letting him go. Yeah, I, I think if you go back and you watch the dialogue, he says, Is there not an exception? And if you watch how she reacts, you can kind of see her basically like you're saying crunching the numbers and then she finds a place where she can she can do that um it's not explicit and he doesn't he and he didn't say it like in any he said it really generally he said he let let her go and then i was thinking about well why would he make that why would he be so certain about that and it's got to be because of the child right like i don't think the immediate child since we're gonna go 150 years into the future but the line that they're creating, having that out there gives them a lot of storytelling options down the road. You know what I mean? Is agreed. Um, I it's a that's what that was the subtext I took from from what he was saying. The, the stuff she says about like your story is you know Sarah says oh we've got a, a great story I think it's awesome you got this child uh, and this prince who ran away. Um. And then Demerzel says, in time, that story will be forgotten. 
and that could be her saying, I'm letting you go, but I'm still going to do the things I need to do here to make sure that you don't have any kind of legitimate claim. That's a good take, but also, like, I wonder if she can see a path to see, can, like, that this is part of the Cleonic dynasty that she's supposed to be loyal to. Well, then she decants three more emperors, so... Yeah, she's trying eh. to keep that going. Yeah, that doesn't make... Because that's the other evidence I had is decanting Dawn is, like, he's dead, but, like, this is the first time in history that there's been two Dawns. Not other than the one time i guess the rebels came yeah. and made one yeah yeah you know? that happened but an official but there's just never unless dim Rizel's lying to us all uh there's never been a triple decantation which i thought they did play that with appropriate like uh-huh. you know that that did feel like a big moment all three of them stumbling out and mm-hmm. well, i wonder like, if there's worry, ever been a double all three de- of you being here it's not a big deal <laughs> Yeah, I, I wonder if there's ever been a double decantation, and what are I, I would love uh-huh. to know the circumstances of every that... decantation in history. I would love to see yeah. like on David Goyer's blog him him outline. Yeah, I, I bet that I would have to. I could definitely imagine a situation where um, a brother day kills both dawn and dusk in in the same day Uh, i I could see that happening for sure yeah 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 it's like a political machination and then the next day they're just back like you can't look you can't do that make up make up (laughs) because if you can if if you if you're the kind of you know if you're the kind of uh exponent that doesn't really have that much much sentimentality for your uh for your other brothers or whatever um you could just you could if they get if they get annoying you could just get rid of them and try a different one out. <laughs> you just want a little peace and quiet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another big development. The one thing, certainly one thing they did not pull the rug out from under us on. Terminus is gone. Terminus is a yeah. wreck. Uh, it's in pieces. Ball of lava. Any idea where Doctor Selden Fault Harry is going to set up the next iteration of the First Foundation? <laughs> If you if you watch the last shot, they're going towards a um, a star, and they wouldn't really. There's no real possible way they could be, you know, at a different star somewhere far away. If you're if you're thinking of that in like real time or whatever, but mm. like that was what I thought. I thought that they're saying okay, they're going to be in a new place, and they've kind of already they've kind of already got all of the outer reach. So it would kind of make sense for them to go somewhere else and, and start spreading, you know, what they have or whatever. Cause they, they do have all the whisper ships and everything else that were, were out and about. So I don't know. Can they just use the vault as their home base now? Um, could, or, you know, what would be a dope idea that I've never seen in a live action uh, science fiction. So like, what if they uh, went to a star and built a Dyson sphere around it? Oh, mm. I do love Dyson spheres, cool. right? <laughs> right, or at least a halo. Like, cause that would also uh-huh. like I, that would that would like that would be a, a a real impressive thing to show like the level of technology to foundations if they just Dyson sphere up a star and that's their capital now. Like the amount of living space, mm-hmm. the amount of material, the mass. I mean, it's the, uh, just av- it's it's one upping the three rings of tra- uh, Trantor, right? That's true. Uh, maybe we should explain to the casual sci-fi fans what a Dyson Sphere is, Jim. Oh, uh, it's basically a structure that encompasses an entire star. Uh, and it's able to collect all the power from that star and use it efficiently. Um, that's it. It's usually envisioned Har- as like... The, 
harness the power of a star. Mm -hmm. And they usually envision it as like being one astronomical. Essentially, its uh, diameter is the radius of a standard Earth orbit somewhere in that Goldilocks zone. Which is enormous. Enormous. And then all of the interior inside space uh, is livable. Is is, is mm-hmm. you could you could put an atmosphere in there and, and live inside it. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 something that I've only seen like hinted at in science fiction stories. You never actually see it in like a big, you know, like I, you've seen ring worlds where like the, which are like the baby step towards the Dyson sphere. But mm-hmm. like I've, I've never seen a Dyson sphere. I think that would be cool. It does guarantee that your civilization will get hit by every solar flare that goes off, but. <laughs> Presumably, you have to power, to baby. deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope. Uh-huh. I would hope if you're encapsulating a star like your own little space eater, right? So you guys seem like you're confident that next season's going to be 150, like the Mule era. Yeah. I mm-hmm. why I because I think this is a great time to slow down and like do uh, another. Like I I think that maybe this next season will be one generation ahead. So we can see mm-hmm. like how Demerzel's gotten the empire out of the bind they're in. We can see the early the foundation pivoting away from the religious underpinnings. Um, I would we can love see, to like it's... like the the development establishment of that second foundation and how to first. Fa- I, I I and like if he's got like a five season arc kind of planned out again. I don't know how much he's taken from the prequels and sequels and all that kind of stuff, but like it feels like you could slow down a little bit. I don't know, but maybe not. I, I'm with you. I want to see all that stuff. I I think it's intensely interesting. I just don't know if you if you have like a five season plan, roughly, and you got to get through, let's say, a thousand years. I think that's is like true. what Asimov was talking about. He wanted to get through. Um, that's a Could lot you have a of season time for a season where instead of like one big time jump in a season, there's like, several. you know, you have three, yeah, you have several, like two or three episodes. And then, it, you know, you have a 30 year coming in, mm-hmm. you know, you do, you, you kind of establish some things. You yeah, toss yeah. it forward another 30, 60 years. And then, cause, cause I don't know, just going forward right to the mule seems, mm-hmm. seems quick to me. Seems real quick to me. Agree. Well, I I don't know. He he didn't say exactly. I I guess what I what I took away from our conversation was that we will be like he mentioned some of the characters that that are going to be in season three, and those are all you know mule mule okay. era related. Because I um, the the, the post credit scene does heavily imply that our point of view of the show is jumping to the mules era because mm-hmm. he's aware. He's like Gale is here now. Like you know he's. He's yeah. like the mules in some way of where and the same way the Salvor is that there's a, you know, that, that, that he is caught up through the present time and now is his time to act. Yeah. I, I think, I think that season three going into season four, there wouldn't be a time jump. Okay. Because I've, I've heard him say that the mule would be in season three and maybe in season four too, kind of things like that. So, and they also, you know, I, they, I think Goyer said that he wants to show the fall of the Empire. And then he's yeah. like, do you think he's like planning to fit the robot miniseries? Because he's like, he's not sure if that's going to be a chunk of the season or uh, a miniseries. But like, would that go between season three and four? Well, what he told me that one of the most interesting things that he told me um, that I hadn't really considered before was, you know, he, he had a, a an eight season sketch. You know, of what if he was just given free reign to, to make yeah. eight, eight all the money what, he wanted? Yeah. Yeah. 
um, you know, being able to like, cause there'll be real considerations there of like getting, if Lee Pace is still on the show, you know, renegotiating sure. with him, Jared, Jared Harris. Harris, like those aren't things that, uh, you know, are just like, you can just do willy nilly no matter how yeah. popular the show is, you know, like that, those yeah. are become real considerations as things go on. But like he, he told me that he has a, he has, uh, he has an off ramp at, at season four, which he, he, he's pretty confident that there will be four seasons like right now where they're at and his relate, you know, relating to aside from the actual strike and everything that's going on, mm-hmm. you know, his, his dealings with, uh, you know, the people that are involved, he feels pretty confident they're going to get at least four. He said he has an off ramp at season six, you know, like, so if they oh. say we want to go for six, then he has an idea of how he would craft the story to end it there. So, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know like how that would, would change things. But my impression was, is that he wanted to jump forward again after this season. And then he doesn't want to do that every single time. So maybe between three and four, there'll be more, um, you know, just no real jump. And, and as far as what you were saying about jumping through time, like, you know, a couple times during the season, I think that there might be an aversion to that because I think that some people that you know, fought, found that confusing in the first season with all the 30 years prior and, and mm-hmm. things like that. True. That seems like that. I mean, I didn't necessarily think that, but mm-hmm. I, I think there was some, some concern related to that so that they want to, they want to make like the season be pretty linear. I mean, they did a little trick where, you know, um, took a step back with the story Ignis time. was a couple were... weeks different. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they did. That's yeah, that's that's the one. If if I was going to feel raw about a trick, the that because that was completely <laughs> untelegraphed. That was just, well, you dumbass, you thought you were watching shit in real time, didn't you? <laughs> and we were that all might be like, the dirtiest. Oh, that might be the dirtiest know? trick they played. Yeah. Dude, we were all like, how does he know about Hober? You know, a specific name of a specific individual. That's crazy. Turns out, yeah, yeah. But I, I think, you know, as far as jumping to that, I think that early on in the way he just when he thought about stuff was that he really wanted to do the mule like that was his one of his favorite parts of the of the books. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so, like, mm-hmm. I think that's why, you know, you, you can be he wants to make sure, sure he gets there. Yeah, yeah. That he gets to do that story. And what did you guys think of what you saw of the mule at the end there? Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, that guy looks crazy. He looks a lot different, though, right? Like, I mean, it's oh, a, sure, yeah. He, he, that was that was. This one is of like pre-war with Gale. However, however, that's gone. His his he seems like he's going to go on a journey. Let's say, yeah, because he was like, you know, every time you see him before that, he has like you know space lasers coming out of his hands mm-hmm. and the goggles and everything else. And there, he looks a little bit like he's worried about. Uh, you know, like he's worried about Gale showing up. Uh, we I freeze framed on the mule a couple of times because i noticed that goyer was kind of proud that he had worked in the canonical appearance of the mule and i and when i i, I can see what he's saying like uh it, it doesn't match my recollections of what the mules always looked like on like a book cover or something but like if you if you freeze frame and you look and see what the source material is and the canonical description you can kind of get there i thought that was kind of funny it's it's, it's definitely been badassified it's like the difference yeah. between wolverine's uniform in the comic books versus the x-men movies where it's a lot more leather a hell of a lot less yellow spandex, but it's yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's supposed to be Magnifico or if that's 
something different. Wow, you guys are speaking a foreign language now. I did not read far enough in to get to the mule. So <laughs> yeah, that's that might... the other question I had for you, Jim, because you're uh -huh. about caught up to where you were in the books. Pretty close. Are you going to read the another another book, or are you just going to stay with where you're I don't at? I Think so. I think I'll stick here enjoy the show for what probably. it is and then go back and enjoy the thing that I enjoyed about the books which you know we'll see how closely they follow that how how much they pull it back to kind of you know less personal more uh, empirical scale did you ask did you did you ask Goyer if uh, Harry is a robot I know that they have an ultimate explanation <laughs> for how he survived but is it also possible he's a robot I said I mean that was my initial whenever he first popped up that was my initial reaction right it's like mm -hmm. it's a robot. yeah you know uh -huh. like uh, because he was it's been days like even inside this it's been episodes in our you know like as viewers where we we, we almost forget about it but like it's been days in the show's timeline so like he he can't be a human and just be under the water for a few days, right? Like something right, has to be course. going on. I told him that. I told him that I thought that. He didn't he didn't react to that at all because he just <laughs> he just said, Well, we're gonna explain that in the next episode, you know? Yeah. Uh Callie is is an interesting uh -huh. thing because she is something mm -hmm. in between. Uh she's not a human life form, but she's not a hologram because mm -hmm. she's she can she's corporal. You know, she has a a, a physical body of of sorts. So it's like there's still some unanswered question there of like, what is Kale? Well, yeah, this is something that I wanted to talk to you guys about because it was something that I, you know, I've been thinking about since I finished the finale and I haven't had anyone to talk to about it. Like I, I have been very fascinated with Kale. I did ask him about that. It, that he talks about a little bit in the one we did for episode nine. So, um, you know, that's something that people will hear eventually. Uh, he, he didn't give any great answers. Like he just sort of teased some things like that. She'll definitely be back kind of stuff. Mm. But, um, one of the things that I thought like the, 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 you know, they, they say here that Demerzel did the, um, assassination attempt. That was pretty obvious, right? What does that make you think about the, Starbridge because that's still the unanswered question right and like that's always been the popular theory is that Demerzel was behind that because she's the only one that really seems capable of pulling something like that off right because that's this big mystery that they've been saying like that they they haven't answered in any way you know like it wasn't an Acreon and Thespis they they made us pretty sure it's that but how did they make big... it sure that it wasn't Acreon and Thespis I mean, I, I just thought that it just seemed like, you know, that there was really no way that they could have done that. I mean, there was, you know, if you think about the, like what happened to the Cleons afterwards, the way that, um, just the way that he does that to just sort of cover everything up that's going on with Harry, like when he executes all the people, I don't uh, know. I just didn't think it was, there. Were, hmm. it never really seemed like it was them that actually did it. You mean, I thought they were telling the story of like it's inevitable that the first strike is going to go against the empire and that it, it did happen. Like it's one of those inevitabilities. I didn't take it as like a machination mm. from Dimmer Dimmerzel. At least that's how I always. Um, huh. I mean, but clearly she's doing. Because like, how would that, that how would, would serve? that serve the empire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's like, the, like, that's the question I was going to ask, especially considering her situation, where we know that she has this directive, right? She mm -hmm. she has to serve Cleon the first memory, whether she wants to or not. 
she's mm-hmm. aware of it. You know, it's kind of like schizophrenia or some other kind of, you know, mental situation where, you know, you have intrusive stuff going on that you can't mm-hmm. change. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. not real, but it, it you're experiencing it as it's right. real. Right. So like she's in this crazy situation, but th- that's what I was wondering because I, I just thought that generally speaking, people thought that she would be the most likely candidate to have done the star bridge because we haven't been, we haven't really been introduced to characters that are that capable or that powerful. You know what I mean? Well, you but m- maybe I was just wrong. You, you might have covered this in one of your Demerzel, uh, a Demerzel video somewhere, but sounds like you need to make a video for the case for this. <laughs> like, yeah, well, go I, back I and think, pick out the details. I, I guess I know. I mean, because I do talk about the show with a couple of different people that are, you know, as obsessed as I am. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I think they also came to that conclusion. But maybe we're interesting. <laughs> you know, like small circle of people, but uh, okay. So let's, so let's throw that out there as a hypothetical. Then let's say that the inciting incident for the entire, basically for everything that we've seen since then, um, you know, that was what got Harry sent to terminus. Mm -hmm. That's what, you know, started all these things out. Like it kind of gave us like the idea that Gail has, you know, the future site and everything else that would be important there. How would that work? Like, you know, like that, that's what I think about is like, what, what, what would, what would that, how would that, like she killed a lot of people. If nothing else, the Starbridge attack killed millions of people. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So you have to say like, well, you have, you have to say that those losses were, you know, acceptable because of what would come in the future or something like that. You know what I mean? One thing that was, I, I found shocking is how little Cleon felt about his children. You know, like the way he referred to them, it's like, Oh, they're the like our children, but they're shadow men. They're half men. They're this, they're yeah. that. They're not, they're very, it's very dehumanizing terms. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that like the, the Dimmerzell is seeing this uh, offspring between Dawn and Sarah is like, this is the thing that Cleon actually wanted. Like, this is closer to the thing that he actually wanted. This is a real child that we've had. And now that it's happened, like, it can transform. I, I don't know. I'm just looking to see, like, because, like, honestly, she wants out of this deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, And one of the, something's going to let her off the leash. And I thought it's, it, it, I, I thought very strongly that uh, Harry in episode nine was making direct appeals to Dimmerzel. When she's saying this can work for all of us, he's saying humans and robot alike. Yeah. And to well, some extent she had to pick up on that, especially now she's got the prime radiant. Yeah, I was going to say two 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 uh two stops along that path or whatever. The first one was that one of the things that never made sense to me in season 1 was how they would how the the genetic material would actually get like you know what I mean like the like on the one hand you have Demerzel who is completely on top of everything and knows everything that's going on and then on the other hand you have like the most important part of the the dynasty it gets adulterated right so that mm-hmm. always seemed a little bit strange to me and and in and what you're saying there seems like it could make sense you know like it, perhaps if she just looks the other way at certain times that gets her closer to where she's trying to go and then the really the big thing that I wanted to ask you guys is what is, you know, what do you think the significance of her having the prime radiant is? Because that's something that 
I wasn't. I was really surprised. Like, why would Harry give that to her? Well, one of the things. I mean, the the thematic stuff they're doing. I think with Dimmerzel, um and Empire is super interesting because there's this concept of freedom that they're really playing with a lot. You you see the Cleons saying power is its own shackle, right? Ruling people is its own sh- set of shackles. And Demerzel has been forced into those shackles. And she's shackled also, is she shackled to that by her programming? And she seems to be more concerned with the programming that she has, which keeps her a servant to the Cleons than she is with the shackles she would have, even if she were to shake the, the programming. Is she Is she going to give up ruling? I guess is the question. Um, mm. Is is that freedom going to be something that she finds once she shakes the shackles of her programming, or is she just going to peel back another layer of the onion that is the the shackles of power? Um, I wonder if she could find some true sense of freedom through the radiant. A lot like I think Harry and Gale are starting to feel about it. Right? They they see that the gift that Salvor gave them here is that fate is not a certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The future can be changed. And I wonder if the Radiant is going to be some mechanism through which she's able to find actual freedom. Can I point out a potential obvious implication of Dimmerzel possessing the Prime Radiant? <laughs> she sees the future. They can see what she's doing. Harry yeah, has okay. a yep. spy that inside too. the Cleonic Dynasty now. He has uh-huh. eyes and ears uh, everything that Dimmerzel does with that and plans and schemes, Harry's going to know about instantly. Uh-huh. I do wonder when you bring that up, I do wonder how they're going to explain that because, like I said, Dimmerzel should be smart enough to figure that out herself in, in my head can you know what I She's mean? She's smarter like, than Harry. Because, like, the thing is, is Harry didn't know about it. Uh, Dr. Selden didn't mm-hmm. know about it. And I yeah. wonder... If that is like it's a one way thing that you can portal from one way to the other, but I don't know, quantum superposition doesn't seem. But like, do you have to have like? Is that something you it would suspect? It seems pretty indiscriminate. Or de- is it something you could detect from analyzing the machine? Because like, you're right. If if if, if there's any fingerprint, or if there's something that's a, something you could figure out, I think Demerzel, given enough time, could probably do it. But like. Uh, like I said, it, it's it's smart enough to fool Doctor Selden, and I think that's pretty fucking smart. If she does yeah, figure it out, the, she can castle into the vault. <laughs> yeah, the, the second foundation is is it's pretty important that they are anonymous. You know what I mean? Um, that they act without anybody knowing that they're even there, and, and giving her a a telescope right into their their headquarters seems like a problem. But maybe it's the <laughs> one end of the telescope because, like, it is telling yeah. that she got Doctor Selden's Prime Radiant. So if there yeah. is like yeah, some yeah. kind of one way quantum tunnel through there, then that that's it's it's not like they, you know, she might be looking through the wrong end of the telescope. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess where, you know, where I land on it is I think that it's a way for her to figure out how to have the dynasty crumble without being like actually responsible for it. Right. Yeah. We, we can't even figure out what her deal is until the dynasty doesn't exist anymore, right? Because that's when we'll find out what she does when she doesn't have to serve Cleon the first anymore. So yeah. that, that seems like an inevitability as far as the story's concerned. But um, 
Well, not just not just serve, but serve and protect, right? Like she, yeah, that's the thing. When she she tells Don that she would be compelled to go after him, it's not like she has any choice but to go out there and kill him. It's but then she did. Well, yeah, she. That's not she serving the anybody. Same thing. That's that's protecting the empire. Yeah, that she says the same thing to Rue and Dusk too, because they say mm-hmm. we'll just change your program, and she's like, "I will destroy you." If <laughs> yeah, you if you try, come close. Even to tried. Me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know that she can even do anything. Like, if she knows that it will be bad for the Empire, I'm not sure she can even do it. So, but that's that's what I'm saying. Da, things da, that she's needs aware some weird of. Workaround, yeah. Because, like, I I mean, to me, that, that's like letting Dawn and Sarah away is is her flexing a little bit on that because. Well, well that's the thing. He asks her like about, about rationalization, right? Essentially. Uh-huh. Uh, can can you rationalize this away somehow like this is not actually bad for empire and that i think is the biggest crack in in her mm-hmm. programming is well that's like that's asimov's bread interpretation is like finding the gaps in between his laws and uh-huh. the impacts uh-huh. it has on robots and humans right like that's like that's like you know the whole robot series is just him twisting those things around like a Rubik's yeah. cube and saying like what about this and what about this and what about this and what about this so, like, that is entirely on point as far as Asimovian storytelling. We're probably 152 years in the future next season. We'll see. Um, yeah. Is, is there anything we'd like to see from next season that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Uh, A different way to maintain character continuity besides loading them into the light pods at the sure. end of the season. That sounds <laughs> that great. Is like, like, either lean into it and make it a running joke or find out another way because like well although as i said that because like you know that's been the big joke this season it's like what are they going to mm-hmm, do they're going to mm-hmm. load gale and salvor up into the life pods again and we we're half right <laughs> but also they set it up where like that's exactly what a cult would do a I, cult totally would absolutely cool load yes. their religious leaders until they're needed in their time of need and like it's kind of like a brilliant narrative like where it's like you might say you don't like it but it's pretty fucking airtight from a narrative structure. This is exactly mm-hmm. what they would fucking do. And I liked it. I, I think the fact that they chose to get into the pods, if it was some set of circumstances that drove them into the pods again, I'd be like, oh, this old chestnut. But yeah, they chose. They, yeah. they they were like, this is a good wasn't time a desperate... for us to get into these pods. This wasn't stuffing themselves in a bottle and throwing themselves in the ocean and just hoping something will work out. This is They have this a plan. Them... Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they made the choice. As far as what I would like to see, I I kind of want to see um, just because the you know Lee Pace and the 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 all those guys like the whole brother you know the Cleonic side of things. Um, I want to see like more goofy genetic drift. You know what I mean? I want to yeah. see like some real degrade degradation over there. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, especially since now, like, are they even going to? I guess they have to keep doing the Cleonic Dynasty. Um, yeah, because like, if they that, that's the one thing. If, if they I mean, if she got all three of them out at the eyes. end, or, you know. Yeah, if they uh, they get that bad, like crazy. It's like what what does that even mean to have a genetic dynasty? If you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they they're gonna have to go all through the mural where they, we've fun, always I had think. hunchbacks. We've always True. had hunchbacks. <laughs> True, Brother Dusk <laughs> always gets a hunch around, uh, you know, the, uh-huh. his fifties, and yeah, I, I guess they could. But uh, I, I, that's I, to me, that's one thing. It's like I, I feel like it's a monkey's paw. Every time I make a joke about, wouldn't it be funny if the show did. It's like the show fucking does it. So I'm gonna uh-huh. stop doing that now. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if Lee Pace is a hunchback and three eyes? Like it's gonna, yeah, that's. 
<laughs> but I don't know. You can do anything as long as you do it well. I will continue to say that. I'm with you, though. That'd be great. Uh, one of the things I want to see along those those kind of visual lines is, you know, the show continues to impress me. They did a massive scale battle this time around mm. a planet with hundreds of ships, and they blew up a freaking planet. I want to yeah. see him go bigger next time. I want to see him go Full bigger. System. I don't know how you do it. Crack I am sun. curious. Crack yeah. Because you compare this space battle, the ones we got last year, it's bigger. Like, yeah, how are they going to continue to top? Because that's my expectation, right? Like, I want to see uh-huh. more jaw-dropping magic indistinguishable from technology. Because the foundations is going to keep getting better. This is progress. For the first time in thousands of years, major progress is being made in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that look like on the base we already have? Right. Which feels like magic. I don't know, man. And I'm also curious. I'm also curious to see what kind of insane thing Goyer will pull. Because like every year, there's something. Like this year was the planet where the moon was orbiting in the planet's atmosphere, <laughs> uh-huh. and they had the the Pegasus uh, creatures migrate mm. from the moon. Uh, that's such a cool idea. That's such a cool, pulpy, you know, amazing stories type of idea. And and I, that's that's one of the things I I just I just I just love about Foundation is they still. You know, it's a, it's a show being made in 2023 that you can directly trace back to the very pulpy Asimovian roots. Yeah. One thing I was just thinking about when you were talking there is the the idea of everything you said, all the technological advances. Well, the other thing that's going to happen, I guess, is that you're going to see the foundation turn into more like the Empire, right? Because you're going to have people who are bureaucrats and different people that are going to have some power in their new structure and they're going to want to hold on to that. And, you know, you're going to get some of those lazy mayors in there where they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're just like, Hey, you know, things is pretty good. We're, we're, we're on top now, you know, the empire is kind of just licking its wounds over there and, and Trantor we can, we're prospering, you know, like you, you can see a lot of mm-hmm. like what, Harry hinted at earlier in the season, right? Where he said, if, if they're unchecked, then um, foundation just becomes the next empire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And you, and you really are kind of creating a, a messianic character with Gail too, because like she's super powerful mm-hmm. at the end of this. Like that's not something, that's not something that, that the, that the second foundation had, before really you know what i mean so like whenever she comes out of the out of the pod they've been you know they've been doing what they had to do in that period of time but like she's going to be an interesting character going forward based on just on how incredibly powerful she is i mean i guess she's got some a match in the mule or whatever that's what they're setting up but you know that'll be It'll be see. It'll be interesting how the show develops that idea going forward. I guess. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we talked about what we wanted to see. I guess we'll have to wait. You know, three, five, seven years to see the next season. I have no idea how long <laughs> this strike is going to go. How much but... is it? How much is a cryopod? I, I might want to get see if <laughs> I can find a secondhand one, so yeah. I can yeah. just sleep through there with this this stuff. I'll wake you. I mean, they had they had the whole thing written, and they had. Mm-hmm they were doing pre pre production um and scouting and everything else like they were just getting ready to start filming so so they're in a sprinter's pose for post strike <laughs> position yeah but yeah. The, i mean the the strike doesn't really look like it's ending anytime soon so no it doesn't and i know there's a lot of post production on this show so oh yeah and we'll yeah have to see <laughs> uh anyway thanks for joining us on the show Pete appreciate it yeah thanks for having me 
Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? Tell people where they can find you before we go. Well, my, you know, I'm on YouTube, uh, Pete Peppers. It's really easy to find. I, I have, you know, a, a name that's hard to forget. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm lucky that way. So, <laughs> uh, you know, just look that up on YouTube. I'm on, on Twitter at um, Pete Peppers also. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I always cover something like I'll be getting, you know, I'll be finding something uh, in the next couple of months. And in the meantime, I'm going to go back and do some, some bigger videos. Hopefully um, I'm pretty excited about three body on uh, oh, Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the, like that. Is, is that, but that did get pushed back till 2024, right? Or is January. it still coming out in December? It's, it's January still a while, 24. Yeah. Okay. But okay. I think I might go, cause I really like that book series. So I might go back and do some, uh, do some videos about those books and some, some of the reasons why I like them in the first place. And for people who, you know, have, have checked out your stuff, but, uh, or checked out this podcast, maybe haven't checked out your YouTube stuff yet. You did interview David Goyer for a couple of episodes. Uh, right. Yeah. I got, yeah. So definitely check that out. Like we, I talked to him for an hour after two Oh nine and an hour after two ten. So nice he talks about a lot of the you know what he was trying to do and and what he adds a lot of context to things so it's interesting interesting worth checking out if you like foundation for sure yeah Um, i I had a podcast for a while too on Uh on the bald move network uh we might pick that back up at some point but hopefully in the future i'll i'll be doing some more podcasting as well so um, yeah and hope you'll come back and talk to us again in season three absolutely great well thanks once again for being here and we'll see you next time good talk Pete yeah bye bye uh oh our dynastic empire is experiencing some genetic drift we'll be right back The algorithm says this podcast will continue. Welcome back to Foundation. All right. Thanks again, Pete, for joining us. Always good to talk television with you. Uh, We'll be collaborating with him again in the near future. We were kind of talking Mm -hmm. off air about all the things that are coming up and the waning uh, amount of Hollywood backlog that they have. Um, And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we get picked together real soon. But now you've heard from everybody except you yourself. Uh, <laughs> we have collected a, our last bit of feedback. Uh, we got a few last questions from Goy- uh, for Goyer that we're going to try to answer ourselves, but mostly just people, you know, talking back over the second season. Uh, foundation of baldmove.com is how you get that stuff in the future. Of course, this is our final foundation podcast until we get uh, uh, word of season three. Uh, but keep that in mind in the future. First up is Nicole. She wonders, is Harry Seldon an accelerationist? Is he, or <laughs> is he just down for ripping off the Band-Aid? My husband and I were processing the show, and we started wondering aloud. I mean, what's the point of humiliating Day? It just seems as if he's so convinced that he's right about the numbers that he wants to get on with it. If he's willing to fry a warden publicly to make his point, maybe he's down for accelerating this whole shit show. Maybe it's a risk management thing. I don't know. Perhaps his numbers reveal the foundation number one is weak or whatever, and he's Uh, betting on foundation number two it's kind of weird i see stuff like this in my line of work all the time managers and executives start thinking about the aggregate data and forget that there are people with lives and families i'm guessing that harry's qualifications matter more than the actual souls or human beings and that he wants it executed as quickly as possible 
He just freaked Day out and egged him into committing an atrocity. Salver said she doesn't trust him either, right? I kind of think Harry's a dick, but I want to be wrong. Day is a dick too, and I was hoping that he wasn't. I was rooting for both of them in a weird way. Does that make me a dick? That's what makes the show so interesting. I'm perpetually conflicted. Jim, you got an opinion on Day being an excel or Harry being Harry. accelerationist? Yeah, absolutely. Should we, should we talk about except Maybe people don't know this term. This is kind of a, a, politi- yeah. uh, a political term of art. Uh, accelerationism is often put in juxtaposition of like harm reduction. Um, would you give a explanation for like uh, broadly speaking these approaches to history? Yeah, it's essentially like. So, so you can tie this back to kind of World War II, right? Um, with the dropping of the bomb and stuff like that. There, there's this idea that if we prolong the inevitable, a lot of people will suffer in that period of time. Whereas if we can just make a bunch of people, a lesser amount of people acute, acutely suffer in enough uh, egregious ways, we can end this early and overall less people will suffer. Yeah. Versus the harm reduction side, which is like, I want to choose the best course of action to minimize harm right now. Yeah. Not necessarily looking forward to, you know, the future, which may or may not, you know. Sure. Um, so, yeah, Harry, I think, is you could classify him as an accelerationist. He knows mm-hmm. that there is a collapse that's inevitable. And instead of writing it out to the very end, which would cause a very long period of misery and darkness, he wants to accelerate it bring as quick a fall to the empire as possible and then sh- very much shorten the period of time of chaos it's going to follow that massive power vacuum uh so i guess the real question is why you know like like motive how does this math actually work and i, I guess it's like harry literally has some kind of three-dimensional temporal spreadsheet where he can kind of weigh and balance the lives of trillions. And if it saves, I mean, everything is, a, is, is Bell Rios's decision in a microcosm. My sailors know how to count a few thousand lives versus a few billion easy trade. He's doing the same thing only maybe on the scale of billions versus trillions or trillions mm-hmm. versus quadrillions. Yeah. Um, the, the thing I always question with Harry is the, the motivation, you know, is this, is this driven purely by the desire to, you know, help, people by accelerating this whole situation and causing less suffering in the long term or is this more about establishing his own version of an empire you know like he sees things that should be done a different way he's going to establish himself maybe as the god emperor of (laughs) the new empire right like there's always questions about motivation with Harry I also think it's interesting that Harry I mean, if you take him at his word, I guess you'd have to really do some sure. thinking and looking. But like, he does seem open to the nonviolent solution. Mm-hmm. Like, he hears Day out when they, you know, he tries to treat with Day. Um, but he also, like, is he goading Day when he says, "I can't tell, give you what you want. The math is the math," or is he just telling an uncomfortable truth and Day reacts to it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, because that's the, the the difference is, you know, I guess I'm I'm more of a harm reductionist because you know there's a lot of people's like, oh, this world is all fucked up and the system's all corrupt and we just need a revolution, right? Sure. Um, and I guess if I had a if I had a crystal ball where I knew for certain this whole global system would collapse and would lead to the death of like 1.5 billion 
And if we fought like some kind of like guerrilla civil war movement now, we could limit that to 150 million dead. Then, and something yeah. better would take the old system's place. But otherwise, you're just betting that you're right about everything collapsing, and that's the only mm -hmm. thing that justifies you not being history's greatest monster. Because otherwise, you're just pouring on gas onto a thing something's already on fire. Like, yeah. without the psychohistory to justify it, woo, woo. Uh -huh. But, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that's one of the cool things about the show is that you can debate the morality. Um, it, it is pretty weird that Harry just fried that warden. I, I want to say that, like, we haven't revisited that. Now that I think <laughs> yeah. of, that is a weird thing for him to have done. It's to burn a impression. man alive. Hmm. Um, Kate says, so there's Cleon 1 giving his presentation to Cleon 16th and Rue. Uh, everything in the hollow retelling is from Dimmerzel's perspective of Cleon's visits, which has me convinced it's Dimmerzel, not Cleon, who actually set this up and is talking through a Cleon sim, which enables her to respond in real time. Um, so she has a couple implications about this, which would mean that it's actually Dimmerzel who's the entity in the guise of Cleon that emerges from the Principium and is able to respond to the queries in real time, which signals her ability to communicate beyond her physical being somehow, similar to the superpositional stuff. It's supported by Dimmerzel's sudden need to return to Trantor, possibly triggered by the discovery of the prison, which is correct. Mm -hmm. An alarm was tripped, yeah. However, knowing what we know now about the finale, um, I don't no, because Dimmerzel directly stated that all of the things that we heard in episode nine were from Cleon's perspective and that he has forgotten the actual details. He has remembered something being a union when it was more a coercion. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't, I literally don't think that Dimmerzel could like gainsay the word of Cleon the first like she just doesn't she she yeah. can't do it by her programming she couldn't say like all that's like yeah what am i trying to say here um i guess she did she did tell rue and uh dust that from her perspective what cleon said was half truths and dishonest but she can say anything she wants I yeah think. well i guess the different people like because that's the thing the other thing is like would my guess is once you hear Cleon the first speak to you, you're already dead. There's no way like you're getting out of that room. Seems so like, like we say that she can say whatever she wants. I don't know. That's true. She can think whatever she wants, but mm -hmm. saying is doing. She can say things to people sure, that she knows sure. is already going to be dead. Okay. I just want to make sure that if it doesn't affect the, the outcome for the empire. Yeah, I guess. Cause we have to, cause we, I know we, we went in that direction when we were talking to Goyer and some of the other stuff. And, but it's important to realize she was talking to a dead man and woman in that room. That I don't think she just sidles up to an Imperial councilman and says, <laughs> let me tell you something about this whole Cleon situation here. Yeah. That um, might have some follow on effects for the empire uh, negatively, so. but I don't know. The so. distributed consciousness stuff I thought was a cool idea, but I, you're right. I don't think it strictly makes sense that Cleon the first would be part of that. Although, I can see other characters like you could say maybe Kale, you know, with this idea that, oh, Demerzel has many faces and she's got a distributed consciousness that maybe that Kale that brought Harry back might have been her in a way. Um, certainly possible. But I don't know. Keeping an eye on that distributed consciousness. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that um, 
it is weird because like Goyer has said that like that's not literally Cleon. It's not an artificial intelligence. This yeah. isn't like an in run around the laws against thinking machines and, and and whatnot. But like, it does put him in this like kind of limbo because he's like, well, these are just essentially computerized memories that can mm-hmm. kind of respond to rudimentary things. But I. I felt like I don't know there that Klingon hologram had a little bit of its own volition or maybe a little bit of its own, you know, it just seems like it got a little bit of glee when, you know, when when Cleon's like, ah, oh, we're not going along with this. We're going to we're going to bust this wide open. And Cleon's like, oh, you think so? And he just shuts the laser bars on him mm-hmm. like that seems more than just a memory. Um, him and the thing that they visit in the Precipium seems like it's got some kind of smug satisfaction that I don't associate with just like going through the hall of presidents in Disney, you know? Sure. <laughs> um, Lucas says, I love the show, but I'm on team Jim for this finale. I had to rewind the beginning of the episode twice. Cause I assumed I'd missed something. His turn of phrase about seeing step one and then seeing step three, but not seeing step two is how I felt particularly about this Ignis stuff, but also to a lesser extent, the spacers Hober stuff. The plot itself was too cool, but it feels Westworldy in that we couldn't enjoy the fullness of the journey because there had to be some kind of twist. If you're going to do that, at least give some uh, us some breadcrumbs or just don't obfuscate the gr- crumbs that should be there. Looking forward to you gently chiding Goyer on this so we can avoid doing the stuff in future seasons. Have the courage to just tell the story straight up. It's a great story. If we're going to outsmart us, actually outsmart us. Don't do some LOL, we're lying in these previous scenes bullshit. The duality of man. Dominic writes in minutes. I thought it was particularly funny because it's minutes apart from Lucas. Is Jim mm-hmm. just doing a bit? It seems like his whole role is becoming picking on everything. Which is it, Jim? I I feel like I'm going mad because I'm being accused of nitpicking everything. Did you listen to my 209 coverage? Like I I was effusive about my praise for that episode, wasn't I? Yeah, I think. I think if not, I failed some. because that's how I felt. I thought it was an amazing episode, which took huge swings. Uh, and, and I could have sworn I praised it up and down. So I, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I tell you what I feel. And if one week I feel like this is the best show ever, and the next week I feel like I've been betrayed, I'm going to tell you that. So my, my opinion might be all over the place, but it's how I feel any given week. And maybe it's affected by, I don't know, I had a, a bad burrito that morning or something. Or maybe it's affected by what I actually saw on the screen. I couldn't tell you, but all I can say is what I feel. One thing I, I keep on noticing, and it's 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 I, I feel a little bit about this about to you as well, but certainly Lucas here, it says, you know, if you're going to do some twist, at least give us some breadcrumbs. But I felt like they every did. single twist had breadcrumbs and the one that didn't or had misleading ones are the Ignis plot. And like you either got to believe Goyer that that was an honest mistake. That was a production mistake, which, you know, we've we've seen happen before uh, or, you know, it was uh, they just they just they just played us false and then lied to get away with it, which and that's the other thing is like, I don't think Goyer needs to be gently chided. This guy's got more experience telling stories in Hollywood than the twice as much experience telling the stories in Hollywood as I have podcasting about it. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. any potential pitfall, I'm confident he and his team have talked about and have tried to mitigate and have tried, but they're also, you know, trying to tell this big intricate 
uh, overlapping stories. So I, I, I just think sometimes things just don't work, man. Things don't land, land the way you want them to. So yeah. the director don't use the stacked lens when they're supposed to. Um, people aren't as sharp as you hope they'd be. Um, there, because there that's two... the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen shows that things come literally out of nowhere, and this wasn't mm-hmm. that. Every single one, we all were saying from weeks, there's something weird here. Just, I wonder what it is. And at best, you're complaining that the breadcrumbs weren't big and bold enough. You know? Yeah, th- that's the thing. There, there are two things here. And I still stick by, like, the first breadcrumb and the third breadcrumb. Like, one one is microscopic. You're Unless you have your microscope out, you're never going to see it. The third one needs to be big enough that literally you can't miss it. And the second one needs to be in there for people to feel like the the reward at the end is is foreshadowed. I, I feel like some of those plots are missing that second one. But here's the thing about Goyer uh, that I've gotten from talking to him, and I could be way off, but I get the impression that he very much thinks about these things, mm-hmm. exactly how much to reveal, exactly how much to hold. And he knows generally how the audience is going to be primed to react to these things. Mm-hmm. And some of the times, it, and then then it comes down to just, is it worth it? Is it worth it to take this massive swing and surprise people on this level versus laying it out a little more clearly ahead of time and not getting as big of a surprise? And I think in this instance, he leaned a little too far into pr- surprise for my taste, but Certainly not for everyone's taste. I've been looking at the discourse online, and it's about half and half, I think, at this point. And he knew, like when we talked to him, he said that he knew this would be something that would be divisive. So it's he, interesting because like, he considers this stuff, and that gives me hope, you know? Yeah. Um, you think it's 50-50? Because I, I hadn't looked at the Reddit since this weekend. And the I will say the when I woke up on Friday, because I was real nervous. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because, you know, we'd already recorded our review and Goyer's conversation. I'm like, you know, what if we're outlined? And I, saw, I kind of thought we were. Like, I saw it looked like it was maybe 80-20, maybe even 90-10 people saying this is amazing versus mm-hmm. people who are quibbling with problems. Is it, like, the problem people caught back up? Is that what you're, like... A it bit. Like it might not bit. be quite 50 50. It might be more like yeah. 60 40. But yeah, I'm seeing yeah. about out. half of the responses being, you know, I, I felt bamboozled by this. Um, I don't know. So that, that's the thing. He he does consider it. And I, I feel like that's, that's a sign of somebody who cares. And I've certainly seen it done where people just don't care. Um, and I don't think we're in that situation. Yeah, we've unfortunately been in a situation where we had to cover television where people were just literally check clash, you know, cashing a check. And yeah, yeah, this is. I think this I would not even that. Just, you know, this is a, a if anything a passion project. He does take it very seriously, but he's also telling a story that he mm-hmm. wants to tell and the story that he you know is gravitates to. And I probably doesn't you know speak to everybody, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, and and I, I do that's something else I got from uh, you know I, I've listened you know he gave a lot of press a lot of coverage I've read I feel like almost all of it mm-hmm. uh, one thing that Pete was um, catching into is the theme that like Goyer for like a, a theme throughout this entire season he wanted to be about withheld information because that fits into mm-hmm. the first foundation second foundation thing and he wanted the, the theme to play out in every level, you know, like you've got p- characters holding out uh, characters op- uh, uh, dealing with um, information they know they're missing information that they think they're missing 
multiple people keeping things and he was playing without the 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 the, the viewer too that we were part of the people that were having the informational shell game played with us as well yeah so I don't think going forward that like this is something that seemed like a particular emphasis on this season to kind of make the themes of the foundations and the left hand and right hand kind of work and which I think you know if that if 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 it does if that if you got that that must be an amazing kind of synthesis of all that kind of stuff um but yeah it's i I just keep more thinking more and more back that like boy that ignis stuff is just it just sucks because from my mind if i could have gone back and watched all those scenes and like if they were all consistent with like anytime someone's using a big psychic power that they got those wavy lines the stack filters like i would be thinking man all three of the reveals were like air fucking tight pretty much um and the vault one gets a huge pass because the vault has powers beyond what we know for, for me anyway I, I just i give that one a big pass and they sold it and i think it's audacious like i said this sure. this flipping of the first and the second foundation's position if indeed that's what they're doing it seems like goyer was kind of giving me said, the thumbs yeah. up on that um mm-hmm. i think that's just an audacious thing to do like uh, you know if you're a, a, a foundation fan and you're in the middle of season two you're like jesus christ how are they going to ever pull this back onto the right ramp so mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see what they go, uh, what direction they go with that in future seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, some more diversity of opinion here with RJ. He says, I find it fascinating how I've reacted to episodes nine and 10 as compared to you guys. I, who read the books, was angry at the de- end of episode nine, while you, who have not read the books, were equally really complimentary of its ending. Uh, again, I have read the books. This has been a while. For me, the destruction of the foundation would be too much of a divergence from the books. Literally, it would have to have been a foundation failing to pass the second Selden crisis. I was therefore much happier at the ending of episode 9. In fact, the whole Noah's Ark Israelites escape from the destruction of their home falls completely in line with the rise of the foundation's uh, religion. On the other hand, you both felt a bit of being hoodwinked by the term. It'd be interesting to see if there's a breakdown between those who read the books and those who have just watched the show as to how they reacted to these last two episodes. <laughs> I think there definitely is. It is, but like but me that and, might have started at season one, episode one, honestly. I also wonder if me and Peter outliers, because like Pete's read the books. I asked him, he's read all 14 of the Foundation series books. No, not just the Foundation, he read mm-hmm. Empire and Robots as well and just within the last like year or two so he's very familiar with the material i'm familiar Mm -hmm. in general kind of strokes the big blot broad like character and and plot strokes and jim has read the first book and i think he's about you're about to run out of your ramp right you're you're, yeah we're still squarely in that first books uh like two-thirds through i think yeah uh uh-huh but here's the thing it's not that i haven't read the books and so i don't have an opinion i just don't care if the adaptation is incredibly faithful to the events of the books i i'm a little bit less of an adaptation purist in that way so yeah like i would say that so far it's been pretty down the middle until you got to like episode the end of episode nine but like honestly if it's is going to run for like four episodes four seasons and at the halfway point they just completely diverge from material I'm fine as long as it's good and as long yeah, as it doesn't completely totally. betray the themes uh, and, you know, kind of the philosophical underpinnings of the the previous book. And that mm-hmm. uh, what I mean is like when I say like the opposite, I'm not I like you could even say that psychohistory is wrong, actually. And it's all about individuals and Harry at the end. You know, it's all about individual actions. Like to me, that's not a betrayal of the ideas uh, because 
broadly speaking, I think foundation is supposed to, you're supposed to wonder is psychohistory correct? Can it predict everything? Hmm. Um, and there's crises along the way to kind of like test your faith in it. So like if, if Goyer just want to be like, actually, no, psychohistory doesn't work. And it does depending on individuals doing things. Um, like, I think that would be a cool interpretation, too. It wouldn't be Asimov's story, but Asimov told his fucking story. And if Asimov yeah. told it again, as we know, as, as, as I've I dealt with on this show, if he had to uh, retell it, he would have done it a different way because he thought the way he did mm-hmm. it kind of was too dry and dull. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm not too precious about it. But I, I, I and, and where RJ was upset, I was excited. Like, oh, my God, you just blew up the first foundation. How in the hell is the second <laughs> foundation even going to work? So, yeah, yeah uh let's see he has on to uh what we might expect for season three i predict that your prediction of the original foundation will prove wrong i believe the foundation will not remain secret but will instead rather quickly rise like a phoenix adding to the mystical lore of the fledgling religion it's the ultimate miracle Mm. harry selden delivering his disciples to the new planet okay but I think the obvious thing here is Harry on Ignis stepping mm-hmm. forward as the say you get the galact the galaxy gets the same benefit. Like, oh my god, we all thought Harry Seldon was died dead. Here he is on this other planet with the sleeper from Synax. You're like, I think that's a, gr- hmm. a, a a a good way to get things back on the trail. Um, one other thing I'd like to note: the Foundation does not know about the Second Foundation. Only the vault harry's selden knows and he knows that to reveal this knowledge to the leadership of the foundation would cause issues that the second foundation was supposed to address the foundation will discover the second foundation but in time and not for a while is that good enough like dr selden knowing is almost worse than all of the humans in the project knowing yeah i mean the i feel like it is um a huge change in the game but you're you're technically right like the foundation itself does not know yet and harry will almost certainly string them along i would think seems to be yeah like i said i i I would be more open to the idea that this is right that i've got the like yeah okay that the first foundation is just going to be the first foundation the second foundation is going to be the second foundation except for when i laid out my logic it seemed like goyer was like yeah you Mm kind of like tapping his nose like you got it um, but and you I know, think that's the whole point of giving away the prime radiant, all that stuff, right? Like, yeah. And the other thing is, like, I would okay. I want to deal with this too. I would not be surprised mm-hmm. if eventually one of the things that Goyer hints in the upcoming seasons turns out to be radically untrue. And when that happens, I'm not going to be like, ah, oh, damn it, Goyer lied to me. I'm going to have two reactions. Number one, he was going to go that way, but this way is better. And as long, I guess we can mm-hmm. judge him on you know that. But like, I think people can change their mind. If like when he every time he says in my head canon, I also think that he could change his mind on that because David mm-hmm. Goyer's head canon is not the same as what happened on his show that got in front of a camera that caught the photons of the light totally and got recorded. Not the right. Um, yeah, if and it's then, not on screen, it's not true yet. And the third point is David Goyer's allowed to lie to me and to you and to Jim in furtherance of telling a better story. 
Like he's allowed sure, to tell us sure. lies and mislead us because he is still acting as capacitor of chief storyteller for this show. So I would mm-hmm. never get mad if David Goyer told me a lie. I mean, I'd, I'd be mad if he said, hey, I'll grant you an interview and then he doesn't show up. <laughs> but if he says, oh, yeah, the first foundation, second foundation, switcheroo, sure thing, Aaron, and then he does something different in season three, he's got no obligation to give me the honest truth about what's going on with the inner workings of his show. So now, obviously, sure. if he if he plays them all out with the cards wide, like, you know, that would be even more respect. But I'll, I never get like some people get so mad and they catch stars or showrunners or whatever fibbing and lying. But like, that's their job. They're professional liars weaving fiction to, you know, entertain <laughs> us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let's see. One final question they had is, are the spacers gone? Did those, in the, uh, did those on commercial ships leave? Are they still available even as the Imperial fleet has been destroyed? The commercial fleet is gone and so is the Empire. It'll be interesting to see how much the Empire is now gone. Um, it's, I think it's now pretty established that all the spacers are at least uh, enough that... It, like, like maybe if some state, it's not going to be any appreciable number that's going to keep the galactic civilization going. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I talked in many other places about the logistical nightmare that they could be headed for without spacers. I assume they still have their 10% of spacers that didn't blow up in the fleet destruction. So maybe their commercial shipping stuff could still continue the way it has before. Unless the spacers would... just in just refuse to participate. Yeah, like why wouldn't the spacers just fold their ships right to wherever the foundation is? Ooh. So the first foundation being destroyed, apparently, what did the spacers think about? Oh no, because like the the Harry's already given him Opalusk. And I, I feel like, you know, we had this debate on the show that the, you know, like, well, did they just give him a free sample or did they give him the ability to make Opalusk? I think it's the latter because it's my It's gotta be. Because, like, yeah, like, otherwise, you imagine the spacers, like, how butt-puckered they are now that they just threw in the foundation. Took. And mm-hmm. then the foundation gets destroyed. And it's like, oh, my God, where are we getting our opalesque now? But, but I, I think I think you're, and it seems like Goyers wants you to understand that the spacers are gone. There might be a couple of people that stayed behind because of, you know, like I mentioned, there's is there a, not a single spacer that fell in love with a human on a ship? And has mm-hmm. that connection to the Milky Way. You might or have one that outliers. just doesn't want to die. Like, yeah, they might have made this decision for all of us, yeah. but I don't want to die, so I'm going to keep yeah. jumping. Um, but yeah, I would imagine like every other spacer would just jump to wherever the home ship is, <laughs> uh, right. throw the keys, throw the keys on the dashboard, and jump j- jump away with the home swarm. Uh huh. Albert says, did you notice that the device, or at least half of it, used to swap Day and Bell's body is the same device Empire is wearing on their temple when being decanted? Uh, hmm. I disagree. I went and looked at this. Like, they're, they're similar, like, in what they look like and their shape, but, like, they're different enough, and I can't imagine what the point of having a castling device on Day's temple Clones would be would, yeah. would do. Like, I, there's no evidence castling works at light year distance. Uh, it's like, and, and we saw the the thing on their foreheads word of life when they're stepping out of the decantation. And I think they, uh, Goyer confirmed that that's when they received their memory. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I can't I can't get along on that 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 Ted theory, unfortunately. Philly Nick says Laura Burns Dimmerzel Bjorns Dimmerzel's performance this episode had me in tears. She was amazing. Uh, her showing emotion for the first time in twenty episodes was an incredible touch, and then seeing her activate the Prime Radiant was such a twist near the end. There's so many great scenes in the finale. Goyer and Friedman capped off a great season of television with an exceptional episode ten. But this episode is a chess match with great chess masters making moves and counter moves throughout. I don't think any of the storylines are too whimsical. They were all resolved in credible logic once explained. And then having the mule finish the, se- the season off with that monologue was exquisite. What an enjoyable season of television. So this is representative of, I think, the majority of fans that seem just utterly satisfied with this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I, there's a great many of those people's first reactions on Friday. Uh, which I, I, I agree think with is, a lot of that too. Um, you know, once once explained, all of it tracks pretty logically. The ideas in it, um, for sure. It's weird. Do you think that like, because I've I've never seen this before, where like day one reaction was like 80, 20, 90, 10, 4, and then like five days later, it's fifty fifty. Did we do that? Did like the commentary community <laughs> do that? Oh, oh, we as a collective, the royal we. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 um, because I, 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 you know, there's not a lot of people covering this. Like, when we're talking about us and Pete Peppers, there's like just a handful of other outlets that are talking about this. And like, when two of the bigger ones were had like mixed or negative reactions, uh, do you think that we might have shaped this a little? Again, we in the royal we. I mean, because people's first opinions, like what what nudges them off of that, you know? Well, I mean, I was nudged off my first opinion. My first opinion was pretty strongly negative. Uh, And just thinking about it, you know, coming back to the episode, watching it again, um, thinking through the machinations here, I kind of backed myself off that opinion a little bit. So think about how that would work in reverse. They could get there, but yeah, I... Like I was so satisfied, and then you're like thinking about it. Ah, oh, you know what? I don't. It's like, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we contributed in some small degree. The royal we, not us specifically. Because, yeah, when you go and listen to, it, it, there are probably a lot of people out there who hadn't really considered it. You know, they saw like, oh, this is a cool twist. Everything came together in the end. It was all explained. And then they start to listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos about the episode, and they're like, oh, yeah, and I'm seeing why maybe this didn't quite hang together as well, or what, you know, what could have been more satisfying. Um, they, their opinion might start to moderate a bit. Yeah, like if you're like, oh, I like that, and you just assumed that the show did its homework and crossed all of its T's, dot of all of its I's, and then you're like, you're like, oh, wait, uh, maybe they didn't actually, so... Because, yeah, I, I've never seen that big of a change in, in such a short time. But it also makes me think that, like, if people... It seems like, with my experience, the negative reactions do moderate over time. Because when you do think about it, they did put in the legwork. Maybe some of it is obscure, mm-hmm. some of it was goofed up. But, like, they, they did put it in. I wonder how much, like, it's going to be rare, like, 80-20 drifting to 50-50, drifting back to 80-20 by the time next season starts. I, so. I think it's going to land generally on the positive side. I think I they, too. you know, they took a big swing and it mostly connected, you know, maybe they didn't hit a home run, but they got a double or something. 
It's hard for me to believe that after this season and the way everyone felt about things in season nine, that people would just rage quit the show and season oh, two. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. I, I don't don't mistake my comments for me being disappointed overall in the show because I'm definitely not, and I'm certainly coming back for season three. Chris asserts that young brother Day has effectively been taken as consort to Queen Sereth of the Cloud Dominion. You would think that priority number one of the Cloud Dominion would be to unblock brother Day of any suppressed memories that Demerzel had placed on him in his formative years. Who knows what can be gleaned from that, but it would certainly have the potential to be used as disinformation against Empire. Also, Brother Day has decided to voluntarily leave the metaphorical light. Well, do you want to talk about that first? Um, Sorry, I'm tripped up by calling him Day. He's Day because the old Day died? uh, Yeah, I guess it should be young Brother Dawn. Okay. So the first Sorry. job would be to unblock Brother Dawn of any suppressed memories that Demerzel had placed on him in his formative sure. years. So that's that makes so that's sense. a question, but I think it's less blocked memories and more just memories that they didn't get ever. That would make sense. Uh, because their mental engram, if it was blocked memories, would still be roughly the same size. They're just missing stuff. So I think that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the 18th exponent, right? He was never given these memories in the first place. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I, it's, it's, of course, you know, I don't understand how any of this technology works. Uh, it's possible that I'm completely way off, but from what I understand, um, there's nothing to recover there. It just never got written in the first place. Now, obviously, there's probably a little bit of things where they like, uh, oh, Brother Day Mm -hmm. actually asked for you to have a full memory audit and you don't remember it because he didn't want you to. But like yep. big, deep secrets about Dimmerzel and Cleon the First and the po- I do not think there's anything in those neurons to uncover. Agree. You're listening to Foundation and Podcast. We'll be right back. And we're back. Respect and enjoy the podcast. Also, Brother Dawn has decided to virtually, voluntarily rather, leave the metaphorical light of the Dawn Day Dusk Empire. For clarity's sake, let's rename him going forward as Brother Knight to disambiguate him from the Cleonic Dynasty. All right, Brother Dawn, Brother Knight. It's not Brother Knight. Once Cloud Dominion has Brother Knight, they have every incentive for him to use him for disinformation against the Empire. He's at least 60 years of life ahead of him if based on the original Cleon. Also, why wouldn't Cloud Dominion clone Brother Knight to always have a puppet with the same mannerisms as the Empire? Uh, A fake Empire also uh, echoes a real historical schism between Eastern and Western Roman Empires. Brother Knight's ability to countermand the orders of the Light Emperor... Uh, could cut down effective communication times between Trantor and extremities of the Empire, reducing the effective reach of the Empire itself and heralding the Dark Age of Mankind. Uh, I definitely think they're going for an East-West Rome thing here. I agree with that. Um, hmm. Whether it's useful to have like a Emperor that looks like Day and acts like Day, but it's not Day out there being Day... Um, or at least granting confusion about who is the rightful rule. I mean, obviously that's that's going to play into the chaos. There's no mm-hmm. way it can. It's gotta. I don't know if they can clone him. I don't know what 
technology disparity there is between the Empire and other factions. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, it would make a lot of sense to <laughs> at least back him up, even if you never decant one of him. I could see it. But boy, I don't think Day would... Or sorry, Dawn, Knight, whatever, would take too kindly to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he would want to be cloned. <laughs> And start this whole thing over again in a new yeah. place. Yeah, and why would Cloud Dominion want to do that? You know, why would they want to ape the failed dynasty over here? Like this is the this is the new. Well, if they're using though. him for disinformation, it'd be nice to have the perpetual option oh, for to that. continue to do that. Yeah, yeah, because the the Cleonic dynasty is not changing. They'll they'll have the Cleons forever. So, uh, David, not Goyer says in the scene where Salvor saves Gale, we see her use Raish's knife to kill Josiah in the last remnants of Tellum. This is the same knife that carried Harry's genetic code after he was stabbed by Raish in season one. How upset are you if Tellum survives a knife to be brought back in next season? Ooh. Survives in the knife? Dude, I, I almost said this on the podcast because I did realize uh -huh. on like my third watch that that knife was the genetic sample knife. Oh no. But that's a key difference, right? Genetic sample does not encode someone's soul, okay? Their DNA, their memories, all that stuff. I think I – look, I've said this all season long, and thank God I did, or I'd look like a massive hypocrite. Uh, you can do – because me and Jim called out, like, I think every twist of the finale as a joke, like even as late as the ninth episode, <laughs> right? But I always said you can do anything as long as you do it well, right? Mm -hmm. the degree of difficulty of bringing Tellum back in a way that feels satisfying to an audience and you want to see is like off the fucking charts. It's very hard. It's very hard because they made us hate her. It felt really good when they died. We saw the little kid, sad little kid die, telling us he could feel her dying with her, with him. I'm not saying they couldn't do it. I'm not even saying there's not even breadcrumbs already in the episode as we'll get to here in a minute. But I, for one, would find out a very high degree of difficulty to pull that off yeah i i'm with you certainly uh but there are definitely avenues to it i don't know that i don't know that they've shut every door on Talon. it's just one more it's just one more way to make mm -hmm. death not a permanent mm -hmm. thing and more a meaningless thing and i just don't think the show needs more of those agreed um, Renee from Yosemite says in the previously on segment of the finale we're reminded to tell him said then I discovered a child I had to use all my power to relocate my consciousness inside her I've noticed strange looks on the face of that blonde metallic they call Thalus is tell him inside her she was next to Josiah as he was dying Thalus really gave us some strange looks during the pyre scene for Salvor and again at the end when she's apparently taking the mantle of the leader while Gale and Harry are in the pods just don't know if I have to worry about her Here's the here's where people I, I got a lot of people saying, what about that blonde? She's looking weird. What about this other person? She's she's looking weird. Uh, what's the point of the ritual? Like, I here's the thing. If Telem can just emergency jump into anybody's body with enough power to then emergency jump to somebody else's body. What's the point of the ritual? Because it seems like she's still pretty powerful. Um, I will. But I want to come back with the obvious retort, which is, well, she did emergency jump into Josiah, so uh -huh. we already know she can do it. 
why but now she's super weak right they they portray it as like she's super weak she's dying does she have enough power left then to jump into somebody else and, and what what would she look like if she did that why well, she's even weaker and even more dying like that would be silly and so it's i telling certainly that, hope not it's telling that she jumped into like the youngest weakest least experienced member of the team too right like she didn't sure jump into gale or salvor or any like uh you know any of the the more the, the stronger more experienced name character metallics right mm-hmm. it is already it is already a, like like maybe she may and maybe she can take over the i don't yeah i was gonna say maybe she can take over the bodies of like your average joe psychics but i don't know like if Thalys is I, I don't know what her power level is I don't I don't know so and look it's all magic they can do literally anything they want because yeah there's no mechanism by which to deny them that but here's the thing if she had full power and was able to desperately jump weakly into one body I I, I don't that's know I, I, view the, I, I view that as a bridge too far for me that's where I stopped suspending my disbelief and I would say no on the second body impossible the only thing I could say is like if there's a third party that saves her somehow you know like the if, the, if it turns if it turns out that the mule from the future saw she was dying and saved and that turned out to be the end like he somehow was responsible for his own birth again mm-hmm. that seems fucking stupid but like if you I could see doing that well enough that it's amazing so like again if it, if she comes back it better be something where we're like Jesus fucking Christ that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen she's a great villain but the other thing is even, even if they do pull it off at some point you gotta look, look, look at yourself if you're the team here if you're the writing team and be like how many ways do we want to teach our fans that death is meaningless not how many times us. do we want to the ultimate vanquish or victory how much do we want to just erase that mm-hmm. you know it's it's not very often like hell in the bible i think it only happens twice that they bring someone literally oh three times literally back from the dead like that's that's like a book as thick as a phone book you can't you, you got to use that stuff sparingly right yeah uh, Renee noticed this continuity error that I verified. While Carrie is climbing the rock face, he looks down at the water. We can see the spot he's chained to is completely empty with no body. Am I missing something? That's correct. I think it they is. fucked that up. I looked at it. Yeah, it's definitely there. That guy is not chained there where he should be. What do you think is up with that? Just another oversight, or I? That's my I guess. thought. Like maybe that you're supposed to understand the tide has rised, rose high enough that the body is submerged deep enough that you just can't see it from that height. But I would think hmm. from just looking at the scene, I don't. That's 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 cope. I I, I think yeah. that that's another maybe uh, continuity error, like you said. And then finally, she says, "I found it interesting that the guards of Sarath, while she's in her room, did not hesitate to shoot at dawn. You'd think that they would not dare." At some point, you got to give shoot on site orders to people who are not where they're supposed to be, even regards to how they look, because it's not the first time the royal palace has been infiltrated by a rogue dawn, right? Sure. Yeah. So, but it is, I, I can't figure these Imperial Guardsmen out. They seem way too oh, all over the place in their allegiance to dawn or the day, <laughs> all of them. 
Um, Anders says, I really enjoyed the show up to the season finale. Way too many days, ex machina moments. You can never tell if you're what you're really watching is really happening, if that person is who it looks to be, or if that person is really dead. It's beyond silly at this point. I cannot talk you out of your feelings, and Anders. I will just observe that in no case did this show do something without a tell. So, like, in the future when we're watching it, if there's some bullshit happening, I believe there will be a tell. The tell might not necessarily relate to what we think is going to happen, but it should be there. And I think that's a clear improvement over other shows that we've complained about, like Westworld, like The Walking Dead. Like, there is a there there that, that they can point to that makes that makes sense to me. So I still have a little bit of faith, but I can understand if this is a bridge too far for people. People... You know, I mean, Jim had a strong emotional reaction to this. Um, when I first saw the finale, I was not sure how I felt about it. It's perfectly understandable. Um, RJ says, I just listened to your interview with Goyer. And frankly, there's literally no way Goyer can keep the television series tangentially connected to the book series and go with the theory of the two foundations that you presented. Uh, hmm. Let's see it. The second foundation cannot become known to the galaxy and take the place as the foundation. It literally doesn't have this, the means or capability for that role, nor does uh, Live Harry or Gale know that it's been destroyed. From things Goyer said in interviews that he knows the directions of the books and there's no way he can go with your theory. If you don't believe me, get the books and read them or listen and you will know that Goyer is either completely discarding the book series from the middle of the original foundation and parts of Foundation Empire or he's lied to you. I've also heard you and others talk about the virtual Harry giving Dimmerzel the Prime Radiant as if he's now without the Prime Radiant. He gave her a copy. It can exist in multiple locations, but there's nothing that says it can only be two locations. Harry gave Dimmerzel one, kept one, and live Harry and Gale have one. I do look forward to watching a third season, so I hope it gets greenlit by Apple TV. I want to see how they go forward because he's dancing, speaking of Warrior here, on a slender thread where he could lose the connection to the original series and it's no longer the foundation. I found myself disagreeing with most of this, Jim, but do you? what was hmm. your first impress, impressions of RJ's assertions here? I guess, I guess I'm not sure why the claims that you're making are being made um why can't why can't harry the prophet of the foundation step regardless of which harry it is vault harry or harry selden the man reborn step into the role of foundation leader i mean the obvious difference between Publicly? the first foundation and the second foundation is the presence of mentalics uh, but sure, like sure so like it's not like there's no difference it's like oh the second foundation playing the first foundation's role will have and like that's not even a minor deviation i'm not, i'm 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 hearing you rj that's a big deviation from the books but i think it's an exciting one because either they either have to figure out a way to get us back on the path which would be exciting or it's just different like it's going to be the same story beats but it's going to swap the first and second foundation you're like well you can't do that because it's not foundation and i, I would agree that it's not foundation as was laid down by Asimov, but I'm not sure it's still not foundation. You know, in Lord oh, of the Art. Rings, in the Lord of the Rings, as laid down by J.R.R. Tolkien, there is a fellow named Tom Bombadil who's rather important to the story. Told us a lot about the ring, and in Peter Jackson's version, he didn't exist. Uh, quite a bit different went on between Saruman uh, and a certain sh- Scott, sh- Shire that did or did not get scoured. Now. 
there are people out there to tell you that that ruined the series and completely betrayed the the series as a whole, but like they're in a very small minority. So I don't know. I'm I'm content to see Goyer tell the story, and then I'll 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 judge after everything's done whether it honored the story that Asimov tried to tell or not. Hmm. Um. Let's. What about the dim? What about the prime radiant though? Um. So you're asserting something about the prime radiant that we don't know is true. That it can be more than two places. Yeah. We just simply don't know if that's true, and I, I'm not looking for it to be until they tell me that. Yeah, I mean, like there are uh, superpositions that can have more than uh, you know a binary value, but then there's also superpositions like the state of the dead cat in Schrodinger's experience. Like it's alive mm-hmm. or it's dead. You yeah. know. It's a binary choice. And I think that's what I, you know, my layman's terms, when I think of like quantum effects, I think of things like that, the things that resolve and like it's, there's, there's superposition, but it's, it's a bit that hasn't been flipped to zero or one yet. It's a null value. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it can be anything. It doesn't mean it can be multiples of things. It just means it's an indeterminate thing. That's, that's where I was going with the prime directive, but you're right. I'm assuming something else like that. There can't be more than one copy. Sure. Yeah, we're we're also assuming something, um, but that that is the, at least two copies have been borne out in evidence, mm-hmm. and that those copies are connected. I will have to see a third one before I would say, oh yeah, there can be more than two. Yeah, so if we see Doctor Selden rocking a uh, a prime radiant next year, then mystery solved, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, final question or final email from Dan says I just have one question has been burning my brain since episode 9 where the fuck are all the other ships at the end of season 1 Salver asked Hugo or someone how long it would take to build more like the Invictus I'm almost positive they said something like a year I meant to send this in for Goyer's feedback but I kept forgetting are we supposed to believe the Empire only built whisper ships and no actual warships since they have the Aura tech and can jump without spacers uh, they more or less have the ability to build ships equal to the Star Destroyers in Star Wars, but they only build X-Wings with AI in them. <laughs> hmm. uh, I get that they wanted to seem weak and draw the Empire in, but the fuck? All this time passes and we still have the one ship we had at the end of Season 1. Is it cooler, Jim, to beat an enemy 1-to-1 and or 1.1-to-1 and just beat them through an ugly war of attrition? Uh, or is it cooler to judo their own strength against them? I mean, the latter is cooler. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the so the one that I, when I was thinking of your question, Dan, I was thinking that like one obvious implication of the foundation winning through military might is at the end of that battle, the foundation would have a whole bunch of armed to the teeth giant warships. Does Harry want the foundation to have? these instruments of blunt power or would he rather them have these nimble whisper ships that can spread you know it's like yeah you can do some stuff with a whisper ship but you can't conquer a planet with a whisper ship and i think that you're supposed to understand that harry selden sees like maybe the foundation's first thing is like build a whole bunch of invictuses but clearly that's not what they did do you saw how the administrator was licking his chops about fighting with the empire uh, when he was, I mean, I, like we now know enough that he was just an idiot, right? He thought he could go toe to toe with the empire, uh, but it's it's still as a is a shambling zombie empire it was still way easily more powerful than the foundation. Yeah, I 
so when we left Harry last season, he emerged from the vault and said, ha, that stuff I told you about the encyclopedia uh, stuff, that was bullshit. Right. We're actually needing to prepare for war now. And that's the message he left his followers with. And in my mind, that's the journey they're on. That's the pursuit that they're after, right? They want to create warships to fight the Empire 150 years from now or whatever. Um, and it, and he never clues them in. Like, I never get the sense that the director knew, oh, Harry has something secret up his sleeve. Uh, so I assume that they would be building warships the entire time. It's possible, I guess, that some of those warships are, you know, an Anacreon or Thespis or any of the other five, six planets, whatever, that they touched. But it, it is a good question, I think. Because if they were primed for, hey, we need to prep for war with the Empire, and all they built is this handful of Whisper ships, I think they failed in prepping for war with the Empire. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 also got to ask like why was the administrator so uh, confident or like seemed like he looked yeah. forward to that war because like Did okay he just you got an army grossly of underestimated yeah which barely was able to handle the you know the twentieth fleet uh huh hmm. yeah I, my, my the only thing that makes sense to me is like Harry was manipulating them not to do that because he just didn't want the foundation to have a whole bunch of heavily armed warships he doesn't want to create a second empire. He wants to create something that will replace the empire in a better, more perfect way. So the but he foundation hadn't been heard from in 130 years, right? His last message, prepare for war. And then nothing for 130 years or something. I guess what you're saying is true. Do you think that the, he has lacks the ability to get, but yeah, why wouldn't they just build a bunch of more Invictuses? Like I said, I, I see what yeah. you're saying. Like it makes it, my viewpoint makes sense, but from what their last and and they haven't heard from him in 130 years, we know that because of Polly. Mm-hmm. I guess is he subtly influencing them? But the, I don't How? know because through what mechanism? The, the other thing is like I, I, I go back to the administrator being really confident. So maybe they thought they were building warships and they just misunderestimated the empire, or it could be it could that be. like you're right that their warships are throughout the. But like, why wouldn't you have? A sufficient force in your home your capital city to not be able to protect it right well they also didn't think that harry would bait them into war maybe right now um he pops out of the vault and says in four days there's going to be a huge war so get ready yeah maybe they didn't have time to gather their forces back although whisper ships seem fast i don't know it i think there are questions that i still have that maybe if i had thought of them earlier i would ask or about them yeah well, and we also ran out of questions. Like we, I had, I don't know about you, but I had twice as many questions. Oh, yeah. I actually asked. We just ran out of time. So uh, we'll see mm-hmm. next season. Um, that's going to do it for this season of Foundation. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Uh, we appreciate it. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, we are considering walking the the Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, which I know isn't a big uh, draw for a lot of people. Uh, it's one of our very oldest shows we've been covering, so we're we're doing it for for sake of tradition, if nothing else. We got Loki coming up in Disney. We got uh, Fargo coming up uh, through FX, uh, Hulu. We got True Detective coming up on Max in the new year. Uh, movies. Uh, we're going to see the creator uh, next week, which is this really mm-hmm. great science fiction. Seems like it's right up Asimov fans' alley. We get looking forward to doing Severance next year. Um, 
just just like I said, tons of stuff. Uh, we're 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 worth a follow on so your favorite social media at Bald Move. Unless it's TikTok, it's at Baldest Move there. Best way to keep track of us, especially over the writer strike, because who knows what things are going to look like after the the end of that. And finally, if you want to help us uh, keep uh, keep our bits flowing, uh, we got all kinds of stuff that we're going to be doing during a writer strike, and we could really use people's support while while we're uh, uh, going through it. Support.baldmove.com to get extra bonus audio and video content for you, as well as ad-free feeds, etc. Support.baldmove.com. That's it. We've heard from us. We've heard from Goyer. We've heard from Pete. We've heard from you. It's time for us to sign off into the and ride off into the night. Uh, we'll see if there's a third podcast that supplants us next season. Uh, until until who and who knows when that will be. It's it's nice that Goyer's got this thing written so they can start fast. But mm-hmm. I, good lord, it's going to be at least. I don't know. I did shit like. You got to get the strike over is my guess. <laughs> Probably not 2024. I don't think you get the yeah. whole thing filmed and pros produced in a single year, but who knows? Uh, see the space in the future. Um, but we'll, when, when, when season three returns, so shall we. Until mm-hmm. that day, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Respect and enjoy the podcast. Mm-hmm.